Hello, hello, welcome back to Downtime with Deeds. Featuring Savvy. Please be advised that this podcast contains discussions on religion, politics, racism, environmentalism, colonization, genocide, and generational trauma. Please note that the host, co-host, and special guests only represent themselves with anything they say or believe. That's excellent me clapping job. myself, right? Oh, excellent job. You did a very good job. And excellent announcer voice, too. I love it. Oh, um, yeah. Cast me, people. Cast me. Oh, they, definitely they should. They should. Uh, and also just want to put out a reminder of care for everyone listening. Uh, this is someone's life that we're going to be listening to. Just understand that this is how this person lived. And just be gentle and kind. Don't be too judgmental and harsh. And if you are, feel free to get out now. Um, If you're going to be mean and rude, this is not your time. Please eject yourself from this podcast. That would be lovely. Thank you. With that, uh, as much as we want you to be embrace this with a kind heart and listen to the guests with a kind heart, we also want you to embrace yourselves with a kind heart as our advisory and our reminder of care is intends to do intends to inform you of topics that might be coming up that could be triggering to you the good thing about a podcast like this is you can pause and you can step away and come back to it later take a step away um take a breath if you feel ready for it feel free to rejoin us and take a listen yay yeah so take care of yourselves we'll be taking care of ourselves be sure to drink water this is Mm -hmm. your daily reminder or Reminder of like the moments. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I really drink hope, water. I really hope this isn't the only time they are like. Oh, I haven't drank water at all. I have had days like that. Oh, no, I've goodness. had days like that. Um, um, eat. Yeah. yeah, eat, breathe, stretch. Uh, unclench your jaw. Oh shoot! Relax uh-huh. your shoulders. Uh-huh. I'm doing it. Okay. Uh, uh, swivel your hips a little bit. See how oh. that feels. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I don't like it. <laughs> I know. It's, it's a, painful. It's, it, but maybe you hold tension in your hips. I, I think I do. These hips do not lie <laughs> about my pain. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm flowing into that. How are you doing? It's been oh. a minute. Um, it's well, always been a minute with us, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, life happens and things get in the way. Yeah. The, the funny thing about doing episodes a month apart from each other is... Many, many a trial and tribulation comes your way. I think in the in the first one, I was just like on about coming back from my grandpa's celebration of life. And again, mm-hmm. I laugh when sometimes I find things uncomfortable or ridiculous. And then in the second chapter, I I brought up the, the loss of a friend yeah. and colleague who passed away. Guess what? <laughs> Did Deeds lose someone else? Yeah. At the beginning of the month, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, my Nana Hayes passed away on the 6th, and I have kind of shut down. I haven't processed it. I think, like, I'm honestly fed up and angry and frust- frustrated. I'm just tired of it, but yeah, that, that that's where I've been in this uh, time and space. And again, like, the reason I choose to, like, come on and commit myself to this podcast and talking about this is I think it's easy to spout oh I believe we should eradicate shame surrounding these topics when you're in a good place mentally and physically it's 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 harder to do it when you're facing it it's harder so I'm I'm trying to prove to myself that 
I'm okay to exist as I am right now in the public space. And yeah, that's where I am. I'm, I'm, I miss her. I'm going to miss her. I don't think it'll hit me until I return home and I don't see her like I normally do. But the, the last time I hung out with her was at my grandpa's celebration of life. And <laughs> I'm, just, I'm a bad driver. I'll just say that. I don't drive <laughs> at all. And the last thing I was doing with my Nana is we were going out to do a spirit plate for my grandpa. And like one of my cousins just like said, hey, can you grab Nana and bring her out? And like push her because she was sitting on her walker. Like it's one of those seat ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they're like, can you just bring Nana? And I'm just like, oh, they don't understand that I have a problem with shopping carts and you're asking oh. me to push Nana. So I was just motoring Nana. <sighs> Off of the asphalt, <laughs> like we left, we left the venue off of the asphalt into grass and dirt, and she, she's like bouncing and she's like Aww. laughing and smiling, and I'm like, oh my god, Nana, I'm so sorry. She's like, I'm having the time of my life, kind of, you know, like Just, think of think of those Flintstone cars, oh okay, but like with the most lady? daintiest lady that you love, but has no fear of you toppling over. I, I am so clumsy, and I. I feared. So you were Tokyo drifting with Nana in the grass. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Oh my and, gosh. But I will say, when we, after we did the spirit play, I looked at Nana and I looked at my uncle, who seems like a stable person. The person works out. The, the dude lifts, uh, yeah, he, weights, and is definitely... Strong. Yeah. And I just like, kind of looked at him like, hey, Uncle Zumba, uh, can you bring Nana back? And I'm like, I'm sorry, Nana, our time has come apart. I can't trust myself going back into it. And you were the supervisor. You were, you were overseeing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and honestly, like, I'm not... Savvy and I had a conversation because I told Savvy all of this. Yeah. Like, when they came in to the, to the office. And what we talked about, I really enjoyed because it was the idea that we told a lot of like really dark humor jokes surrounding yeah. loss. Yeah. And I was just like trying to iterate to Savvy, like, I've been in this, I've been in such a long stage of grief for over a year of losing people where you don't have time to heal from it almost. And it's tiring and exhausting. And with that, with my ADHD, because I'm non medicated, or maybe that doesn't even have anything to do with it. But I was just talking to Savvy and I'm like, I've been in this weird disassociated state mm -hmm. where I don't think it's like numbness from depression, but I would lose time. Like I would lose hours awake and just be like, oh, I am definitely not associated in life right now in reality. Yeah. And <laughs> last night I was like prepping for this podcast to record it today. It's like October 20th. Yep. And in my prep, I was just listening to... I, I do I do two things. So I listen to the interview and get the interview ready, the portion of the interview for Uncle my Uncle Don's life. And then I also listen to the previous episode just because I want to see how I edited it and what we talked about just to, like, I don't know. I, I think that'll help, like, evolving. A fresher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it makes it fresh in my mind, the, like, things we talked about it makes me excited and pumped for what we're doing but it also like helps me from an editor standpoint being like okay I like that didn't like that so anyways like just like overall preparing mm -hmm. and 
the topic of obviously death came up because last chapter talked about friend and colleague yeah and i just started singing in my head in this like disassociated state and i was just another one bites the dust <laughs> another one bites yeah another one's gone and another one's gone another oh one God. bites the dust hey <laughs> we're gonna get to you <laughs> Oh no. It just like it came out in my mind and I couldn't stop it and I'm like, you know what? I get that song now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, if that's what helps make you like go through the days cuz grief is hard just to start out with and then moving forward is just like dark humor. You can't see the light if there's no dark. Right, so something. what did you say? What did you say when I told you well, about my nana? What is you, my my friend of many years? But by, by the way, Savvy's not like this with everyone. No, I, we have I'm a safe mean. relationship. We we, ha- we understand humor. Deeds understood my humor and that I process like trauma via humor. It's you know you know the thing. Anyway, DJ Khaled popped into my head and said another one, and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, mm. yeah, another one. And that's when, and the funny thing is, Savvy was like, I don't know if I should say it. And I'm like, say it. And then they're like, another one. And then I'm yeah. like, yeah, yesterday I was singing Another One Bites the Dust. It's just... Uh, the oh, anthem of loss. is pain, but I mean, it, everyone processes and copes in their own way. And hey, if man, you can giggle through it, sometimes I, I got stories. It. Like, I have too many, huh, I've said really horrible things after loved ones have passed mm-hmm. to, like, both make fun of them, but make fun of the concept of losing them. Yeah. And, like, I got people laughing when they were, like, bawling and crying, and it's just, like, I don't know, it's two sides to the same coin. Yeah, lots of emotions. Yeah, and, and with that, like, in this, like, frame of care, I'm just... It's important, this was important to me, but, like, talking to Savvy, I was kind of like, I feel the anger and the frustration, because I feel like a lot of the times when I'm catching up with friends, especially when you're an adult and you have to, like, book time with your friends, most of my time booked with Savvy has been the podcast, because, like, we've just been so going through it. Yeah, between life and just everything else that gets in the way and work, it's... Hard. It's hard to make friends and like keep up relationships as an adult, and and it's hard again. That thing we were talking about last chapter of like, we don't want to deny what's happening, but I feel like every time I've met Savvy for the last few months, it's been telling you someone has passed away and I'm yeah. grieving and right. I'm sad, and and that doesn't just drain me. That drains you. That drains everyone around me. Yeah. Who has to? Who just doesn't see their like I don't know happy friend. It sucks whenever anyone goes and no one wants to see someone go it's it's just painful and you want to you still want to be with people but it's hard sometimes when people are kind of put off by the energy of someone who's grieving um going off on a small tangent apparently you need 8 to 12 hugs a day for personal development and growth and like that's for little kids in general and so if Wait. Reminder to everybody, go hug someone if you can. Wait, are we going to hug each other eight times? I mean, we could if you'd like. What what number are you at today, today um, girly? Today? Today. Very Canadian accent there. Um, <laughs> Radio. Radio. Got a roundabout. Round kind of boot. like kind of like Ned Flanders. Heidi totally their neighbor. <laughs> That's what I feel like. Yeah. I feel like Ned Flanders is Canadian. Um, anyways. <laughs> I feel like he could be from Minnesota. <laughs> oh, that's true. We're pretty, that's 
yeah, relation it's to each other. Yeah, it's, it's kind it's of similar. similar. But you were, anyway. uh, you, what were you talking about? Well, we're going to hug you. What, what number are you at on hugging? Um, today, I think I'm at like, I think I've done a solid four. I, yeah, my mom hugs me a lot. I'm very mom. jealous of that you get to see your mom so soon. I love my mom. I'm at zero, so oh, Hannah, best do we include have... pillows in this? Not um, in an ad, in no. an I'm, I mean, maybe I don't know, but I remember reading a thing about it. Anyway, we're off topic. Um, How have you been? Um, I mean, I dissociate um, more and more frequently, which is a little bit concerning, but eh, that's the spicy meatball of my brain. I'll address the the voice situation. I um I don't sleep very often, very well. Um, I, no, I sleep very well, and I do sleep often, but sometimes uh, my immune system decides to take a dip pretty quick, and it's like, hey, that kid sneezed over there. You're gonna have to walk through it because it's the exit door, and you're gonna hold your breath, and you're gonna hope to God that that kid didn't have something gross. Um, I was on a plane like last week, I think, and I was sitting there for an hour and a half and Snuffles McGee was sitting next to me and I'm sitting there like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, please no. no. And I knew, I knew None in this post-panorama world. I know. I sat, I like, I was sitting there and I knew it like after I was done, like once we touched down, I was thinking... I am going to eat an orange and really wash my hands, but I really hope that that, that person did not get me sick because I was so not about it at that point in time. And the thing was, it was like I was having a good trip up until that point, but that just kind of like, it made me very upset in a very small way because I knew my immune system was going to say, hey, 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 bing bong, fuck your life. So... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just thought of Bing Bong from Inside Out. Uh, um, take yeah. her to the moon, Riley. Uh, so yeah. your immune system's been shot. Yeah, it, it's like hasn't it, helped the mental. Yeah, no, my like that and just how busy I've been as like I'm always working and I'm always traveling with work and just that and social commitments and seeing my family because. On my step family side, like my dad, my stepmom, and my stepsister's birthday are all in this month. Oh. And then also Canadian Thanksgiving is this month. And then there's also Halloween. And then there's also more work and social commitments and trying to make sure everything all works together. So all of my family's birthdays was this past month. And that alone is just like, ah. Because <laughs> that's. That's a whole lot of cake and social commitments. <laughs> that's like, that's that can be on a t-shirt. A whole lot of cake and social commitments. You know what? That that really could be. A yeah, whole, a whole lot just of cake lo- and social commitments. It's just it's a mess to try to like coordinate everything and make it all work, and oh. yeah. So that's been You've that, been going and that's it. that's not even counting like what's going on with my stuff at my home and then with my biological mom who's I call mom and she's just not the stepmom and I'm going into too much depth here but I do the same thing only like I uh I call my I spell my mom's different so when I'm talking about one mom 
Yeah. It's M-O-M, and that's my biological, but then I go mum for, mom. like, my uh, mom who raised me. Mm. and But, like, that's only for my viewing thing when I write it down. When I... Yeah. Ugh, the craze of just, like, talking to my mom, my one mom, and having to refer to my other mom by their name, and then likewise, and how people don't understand, like, why don't you just call them your mother? And I'm like, I have two. You don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. And it, the, that's just also, like, a blended family thing of... That's true. Trying to make it work, and people who are on the outside don't necessarily understand. Like, the first time I said step family to somebody else who did not have a step family, they said, a, a step what now? Did, what did you say? Mm. A step family, because I didn't just get a stepsister, I got a stepmom. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, we're still a family, and it's easier than just saying, my dad, my stepmom, and my stepsister. You just say step family i'm hanging out with my step family yeah and it still works you're allowed to like it doesn't make it any less personal i think yeah there's some people who are touchy about those kinds of things yeah because i was like oh like just to relate to you i'm just like i've had conversations where i'd like casually be like bio mom or or paternal grandma or whatever and yeah. someone's like why don't you just call them grandma and mom and i'm like <laughs> it gets confusing. It's also an ADHD thing, too. Oh, really? Yeah, oftentimes to, like, say, um, these are unimportant details. However, they're important to me, so therefore you need to have background context to understand where this story is coming from. Oh, just what I just did there. Yes. In, like, interrupting you talk, well, telling about where you're at. Yeah, well, it's It wasn't really interrupting. It was no, me it, doing it, the it's, relation it, it's, right. it's a part of conversation as well. Of, yeah. Like, there's... in I forget, like, the actual name of it, but there's conversations where they just link into each other and yeah. you can just hop I think in. I think like the reason why especially for the podcast but just in life I even if I'm talking to someone who also has ADHD mm-hmm. I'll like apologize for it or preface it with that little thing yeah. is because I've had relationships where someone says every time I'm trying to talk to you you only want to talk about yourself and they've gotten mad at me yeah. and then all of a sudden I have a person who says they don't feel comfortable talking to me because I never want to focus on them and I'm like oh I thought I was focusing on you yeah, it's 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 a way that uh, neurodivergent people often try to say, I understand what you're going through, and I understand your feelings, is by relating it back to themselves and telling them a story so that they can, the other person, can fully understand and develop the the picture in their mind. Yeah, <laughs> when we're trying to learn about people, that's the detail we want from them yeah. about their thing. So it, rather than someone being like. You know, we get really into it and spend a lot of time checking in with each other. Mm-hmm. Rather than me being like, oh, how you been? And you'd be like, eh. <laughs> Rather than that, I want the detail because yeah. I care about that detail. I think that really reflects everything you are. So we kind of also want people to, like, make space for us when they're like... The, this is why, like, I can't do the niceties. Like, the people in passing being like, oh, how you been? I can't be like, good. Like, it just feels so phony to me and not natural i understand that but also at the same time it's kind of like for me i'll do that for masking and for being able to save face and just say i'm good my therapist even called me out on it once Mm -hmm. of so how you doing i'm good are you oh no i'm sorry i forgot where i am we're talking about our feelings here (laughs) Um, i didn't reach out to you when i found out i i didn't reach out to anyone really Mm -hmm. so 
fair that like you also didn't know about yeah. what I was going through. I also didn't know about what you were going through. So look yeah. at us. Look at us. Both look at us not here, knowing. existing. Yeah. So our like, energies are weird today. Absolutely, and it's also spooky season, so that's a thing too. I can't do overhead lighting. It aggravates me. It makes me feel like not warm and cozy. So <laughs> uh, we tried to turn the light on at, in our little break before our meeting that we have before every podcast. And, a, and I couldn't do it, so... You pretty much hissed at the lights. I did. I was like, Savvy, turn it down. Turn it off. Yeah. Turn it off. And then Savvy was like, I would like to see yeah. while we record. And I think I offered a, yeah, you, a, a, a compromise. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've got these lovely jars and... <laughs> um, like lanterns filled with lights in here, and uh, so yeah, you'll see in the picture on Instagram. But yeah, this is this is the current setup for right now. And this is the now we vibes. can see, and it's yeah. very. I don't want to say seancey, uh, but it's very like this is what happens when you have a theater person with a bunch of with a bin full of props they used in past shows. That's fine. This is the lighting you get. I, you have no idea how many like fairy lights I have up in my room. As like the next step that I was thinking is I didn't bring my headlamp. <laughs> but so we're uh we're we're both we're both doing good. We're doing social. We're pot passing in the hallway. I'm doing good. Yeah, but, but on the inside, it's a little bit more trouble. Sh- yeah, like shaky lamb legs. But I think we both agreed that we're gonna allow each other to exist unmasked. Yeah. <laughs> during this podcast. Yeah. And and sometimes, you know what? It just it it does that for you. Surprisingly. Yeah. I'm actually not disassociated right now. Congratulations. I thought I was feeling it happening yeah, when we, I, in our meeting. Uh, I saw it a little bit. A lot of things happened. We're socially like in the hallway okay. We're not pushing ourselves to do this podcast. Yeah, we're just this is this is also fun. Yeah, we're vibing. Um, my voice is whack. Don't. I think it sounds sexy. Oh, thank you. Can you sing for me? There are two songs you can either sing. I okay? don't know if I can sing, but I can try. Okay, so there's the song from Greece, Rizzo. There are worse things I could do, and she's it's kind of sultry. I then go with a boy or two. Or, or you could sing, because I just want to hear it with your voice, because I okay. think it'd be, like, really cool. There's that one. Or you can do, okay, I'll give you three. One, the third one's probably the only one you know. There's also the song from The Little Mermaid that Ursula sings. Uh, the, I, I know which one you're thinking of. I'm trying to remember how it starts. It's I'm like, poor unfortunate souls. And yeah, in pain. And has this one longing to get thinner. This one wants to get the girl. Like I think you could vibe with that. I maybe I don't know. I was just can you think? Can you can you just spell it? Poor unfortunate souls. Poor unfortunate souls. In pain. In pain. Thanks for being my. Yeah, <laughs> the third little... one was like rah rah. <laughs> I'm not even gonna try to finish it. I'm not gonna disrespect Mother Monster that way. Anywho, we should probably get back on topic here. Thank we, you. Thank we, you for your 
satisfying. You're welcome. It w- I know that it wasn't exactly in the flow that you wanted, but it still it's, happened. It's, you know, it's, it's pitchy, but there's only so much you can ask of a sixth person when you're forcing them to sing. I mean, it's not too bad. My voice is just deciding to kick me, like, right in the dick, to be quite frank. But, you know, <laughs> that's all. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. That's so funny. Um... That's my favorite thing to do, by the way, when I'm sick, is to record myself singing random songs that I could never hit, just for the sultriness. I love it. Grasp. Cool. Yeah. Um, That's how I learned how to do an Australian accent. (laughs) I know that we're we're getting off topic again, but all of a sudden I I figured out how to do an Australian accent. Can you use that accent and introduce the next segment? Alright, I'll try the next section. So, we're going to go right into the section of Deeds Discovering. So she's going to be going over uh, an interview with episode three with her uncle, Uncle Don. Chapter. And, chapter. Oh, chapter. We're, we're, we're shifting the language. Sorry, we're using uh, we're changing the language, and it's we're going into uh, chapter three with Uncle Don. Oh, wait, let's sing it in your voice. Sorry. Oh, uh, what am I singing now? Okay. Um. What, 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 how did I do it? Deeds discovering, for future and learning. <laughs> Sorry, I just hissed that out. Just the deeds discovering. Um, but discovering. like, ooh, deeds discovering time. Oh my gosh. What? Was that it? Yeah, you can. That that reminded me of the recess of like weekenders from all the old sc- oh, the I old shows. Those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know what song it was. I just kind of went with it. I think you just made it up. I think you're a genius. Well, thank you. I feel flattered and now I'm blushing. Thank you. Anyway, this is us getting into Deeds Discovering. Hello, hello. We are still on an amazing journey with my dear Uncle Don. And last episode, we made it out of childhood and made it to the nice old age of 38. Um, Uncle, you are stationed in Two Hills. Take yes. it away. So it was in Two Hills until uh, 1999 when I met Noreen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we got married. We went up to Dawson City, Yukon, and got married because we thought it would be fabulous. And we loved the north and we wanted to see Dawson. And then we came back to Two, two Hills. And when I was up in Dawson City, uh, I got had applied for a promotion before uh we went to get married, and I got promoted to a corporal when I was mm-hmm. transferred from Two Hills. I went to Saddle Lake, back into the First Nations community. Saddle Lake was the satellite detachment to St. Paul. So we left Two Hills. We bought a home at Vilna, uh, on, at Bonnie Lake, where you've been there before at our other house that, that looked like a castle because we renovated it. Mm-hmm. And a st- wooden castle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, I stayed in, uh, in Saddle Lake from 1999. And then I started, uh, I met some great people there too in the First Nation community. Mm-hmm. Uh, great people, Louis Lapatek, like just really nice council member, man. And a lot of the other, the McGilvery boys, and good people. So I got, uh, I started applying for other promotions and I got promoted to a sergeant as a indigenous special position as a sergeant. And I went into headquarters into Edmonton. Aboriginal policing. We kept our home in Vilna. We moved into Edmonton. And actually, Vilna became our home base for the rest of our married lives, Noreen and I, uh, until I retired in 2014. So I went into Aboriginal policing. I spent 
three years there as a sergeant, and then uh, in it was in year it was about two thousand and five, year two thousand and five. Uh, I got promoted to uh, not promoted, but transferred to. Out of Aboriginal policing, I went to be the detachment commander in Smoky Lake. Mm-hmm. So we moved back to our, our house in, in Vilna. And I ran that detachment for only 18 months. And I got promoted again to a staff sergeant. And we went to Banff. I went to be the... I was promoted to be a staff sergeant in, in Banff. Uh, non-Indigenous community, as we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we moved to the Majestic Rockies. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Noreen still still is gives me shit every now and then, jokingly saying we should have never left Banff because she loved it. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, it's I gorgeous. was only in Banff for for a year, and uh, superintendent from uh, uh, Southern Alberta District came to see me and asked me you know, if I could give him a hand to be uh, a district advisor to supervise nine RCMP detachments. So I left Banff and I went to work in Calgary, downtown Calgary, in the headquarters, RCMP headquarters building there mm-hmm. as a district advisory non-commissioned officer. And I supervised nine RCMP detachments in the Bow Valley Corridor. It was Old, Didsbury, Sundry. So supervised nine, that's whole, is that whole precincts or like whole? The whole um, detachment, just... the whole, anything from Lake Louise all the way to Claire's home and Nanton. Mm-hmm. Uh, through Kananaskis, Old Stigby, Sundry, mm-hmm. there was nine RCMP detachments that I was in charge of to oversee the unit commanders and, and, and the people working there. Was that Indigenous and non-Indigenous? They were all non-Indigenous, except for Cochrane. Okay. Yeah. So you're an Indigenous leader yeah. um, in within the police, in, uh, I was about to call it an industry, <laughs> within yeah. the police um, role, and you're finally like... You're shaping from the ground, from the above. Yes, from the from the top. So, mm-hmm. uh, Métis guy that went through the Indigenous policing program, mm-hmm. and now I'm a supervisor overseeing uh, nine RCMP detachments in one account. And that includes every officer within those every detachments. Every officer or support staff, and it's within the Bow Valley corridor, the one of the most famous parts of all of Canada. And, and how old were you here? Um, I would have been, um, just bear with me one second here, almost 40. I would have been over just over 40 years old. And what year was this? And I got to Banff in 2008. Oh. 2008. So, yeah, 30, I was 30, only 38 then. Yeah. Way back, yeah. And yeah. that was the same year my dad passed away. Uh, your dad passed away in 2010 when I was in Muscatchies, just after I got to Muscatchies. I always thought it was 2008. It was uh, It was 2008. Maybe we got some years mixed up, but it was 2008. Because I, I got to to uh, Muscatchies in 2010 when I got cancer. Yeah. And he, I got cancer the year that he passed away. Wait, hold on. My brain. Hold on, let me think. No, because I graduated high school in 2012 i was turning 18 and i lost him when i was 14 february 15 2008 yeah 
Okay. I thought you both had cancer at the same time. That's Shortly I... after he passed away, I got detected with cancer. Oh, that's so what it like was. So, like, I wasn't I was in Calgary. And, and, and it then, was the same then, cancer, right? Yeah. So then I, because um, then I got transferred out of Calgary and I got promoted to an inspector. But anyway, <laughs> I went to I went to Muscatchies for my second tour of duty as an inspector there. Mm-hmm. But even when I was in Calgary... Uh, my duty there, even though I was overseeing these RCMP detachments, my duty there, I was their, their Aboriginal contact person. When the National Aboriginal Day of Action mm-hmm. uh, occurred across Canada, where a lot of the Indigenous communities were, were putting up road blockades to make a point that it was time to stick up for Indigenous rights, mm-hmm. uh, I, was, I was the point person to look after that for all of Southern Alberta. So work with them, but not against them. That's right. So it's That's not... Right. And I don't want to get long-winded on it, but during during that concept, when I was looking after that, uh, during the National Aboriginal Day of Action, there was a potential blockade at Castle Castle Mountain and Castle Junction, which is just west of Banff on Highway 93 North there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I met with the elders of Siksika Nation under traditional land of my Storm Mountain and had a very good conversation with them and, and alleviated any potential blockade that might have occurred there by working with the community and the elders. Mm-hmm. So so then I ended up in, uh, I ended up being in, in Muscatchies in 2008. Uh, also, like you, uh, you probably already know this, but Calgary is known as Mokinstis. I didn't know that's the name of it. Now you know. Hey, look now at me teaching See, my uncle something. You're never too young to learn. No, no. no <laughs> but uh, continue on. You were in, so, back in, in Muscatchie. So I get to Muscatchie in 2008, the year your yeah. father passed away. Yeah. Uh, and I, I get there, and of course we moved. When we went to Muscatchie, we moved. Uh, we're still at our place in Vilma, but we moved. We built this home where that we're in tonight talking. So we moved here, and then I, uh, I spent, uh, I got, I got sick in in Muscatchies, and I'm going to come back to that, but just to finish the RCMP career, okay? Mm-hmm. So I spent, I spent two years. I, I got cancer in 2010, mm-hmm. shortly, 2008, shortly after your dad passed away, and when I after it was a colon as well. Yeah, and I'm going to come back to it. Okay. Because. My cultural journey really started there, mm-hmm. my my indigenous cultural journey. So I spent, uh, I got sick, and then I was off work for nine months, and when I came back because of the stress involved of running the detachment and a whole bunch of other things, but it was just fabulous people. The partnerships I, and people I worked with in Muscatchie were just astounding, astounding. I mentioned Mr. Lewis before. Mm-hmm. Uh, late Georgina Baptiste was another another great lady. Uh, I'm gonna come back to this. I'm gonna. I just want to finish the RCP oh, okay. career. So when I came back uh, nine months later in uh, 2010, it was mm-hmm. that's where I got my confusion. I went. They didn't. The RCPL services didn't want to transfer me back to Muscatchie because of the stress in my cancer was a carcinoid tumor, which is caused by caused by stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't take any treatments, and I'm gonna come back to that again too. Mm-hmm. So. They transferred me into K Division, into headquarters to run the Aboriginal policing program for the for K Division, the province of Alberta, to oversee all the uh, Indigenous communities uh, in, in Alberta. In, in Alberta. Wow. So I went to I I went there for uh, two years, 
and finished my tour there. But I did. I had been there before, and I really didn't want to go. But I had to. I wanted to go back to work, and I. I. They made an agreement with me, and I with them that I would. I would do that program for a year and a half or two, and then uh, I wanted. I wanted a transfer, and if they wanted to send me, I wanted to go work with the Inuit people, mm-hmm. or, or the people of Labrador. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never been way up north, and. But that didn't happen. I ended up getting transferred uh, in uh, 2012 to to St. Paul, Eastern Alberta District, as part of the management team. And I oversaw myself along with the chief superintendent and the other inspectors and staff sergeants. I oversaw 34 RCMP detachments until my retirement. And that, and that in the, Canada or in, just Alberta? In all the... 34 RCMP detachments in Alberta mm-hmm. from the Northwest Territories all the way down to Coronation Consort as far west over to Slave Lake, Wabasca Demeray, and to the east Lloyd Minster, Cold Lake, all the way down, like I said, Coronation Consort and uh, Redwater was another one of them. There was 34 of them. Mm-hmm. And at the end of my career I was policing the police. I was doing all the internals and administering discipline. And I retired in 2014 from the RCMP, and I we decided to put our home for sale, and it took us two years to sell. You it. retired inspector. Uh, yeah, I remember I, there's a big inspector. thing about the shirt you were allowed to wear at your retirement. Yeah, yeah, and so I retired in 2014, and then uh, that certificate on the wall over there is from the Queen for my time for the government mm. uh, for as an inspector. So I did. Uh, just shy of 30 years as an RCMP officer. And you out of were, those 30, whoa. 23 of them were in First Nations communities. You essentially witnessed the history from what it was to what it is now. And even though you say, like, still now there are issues within the police department, you were an attribute to hopefully bridging some connection. And I, 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 I was because... I did that to the day to the day I like retired. this isn't history. This no. isn't like this is recent. Like you, you, you witnessed history and you were a part of it in the police force. Yes, because I, I touched on all. I already touched on the when I was a sergeant in Aboriginal policing program. I, I put a college program together myself and my good friend Ron Hepperly, again who was a retired RCMP officer, but uh, was also director of law enforcement for the province of Alberta after his retirement. We're still good friends to this day. Uh, we put a policing program together where we recruited Indigenous women and ladies uh, from Indigenous communities through three colleges who were colleges at that time, Norquest, Grand McEwen, and Lethbridge Community College, where we gave them an opportunity to hone their skills and develop their skills and put a one-troop concept together into our RCMP training in Regina. And as a result of that, I, we had a troop of almost 30 people that went through this college program, got their skills together, and then we sent them off to Regina for six months training, and they came out as police officers. And what was the importance of specifically focusing on Indigenous women and getting them into Indigenous the men and women, because within recruiting strategies within the RCMP, Edmonton City Police, Calgary, Lethbridge, Tabor, you name it, any police force, Saskatoon, if you want to have Indigenous people in your police force, you got to go where the rubber meets the road. You got to go to the high levels of Alberta. You got to go to Fort Vermilion. Those people aren't going to come to you. Number one, they don't have the transportation. A lot of them, a lot of them are afraid to because cultural sensitivity. So you've got to go find them, and that and that's what that's that make what it my, a safe place. And that's what 
I did with my colleague. Uh, and, and that's how we did it. With the history of our country and everything, often I find, from personal experience myself, going into a sector that isn't Indigenous-led at all, I find there's like sometimes this question of, oh, aren't you just being assimilated? Aren't you just being colonized by going into these uh, in non-Indigenous-led sectors of like industry and everything? What I'm gauging is that it wasn't you being assimilated or bring in fellow indigenous folks to be assimilated, it was you decolonizing that space. So that if it's supposed to be a place where you protect the citizens of this country, it has to reflect the citizens of this country. The access, the privilege, the opportunity to be a part of it and a part of the discussion and how you create it and evolve it often isn't given to indigenous folks. You know, I talk I talk about that, that college program. I touched on the... Uh the Aboriginal perceptions training that I did with my good friend, Alex. Mm -hmm. uh, that that workshop is still being used for for teaching RCMP officers about the residential school system, the uh, Aboriginal perceptions training. They're, they're, still, they're still utilizing that. But when I go back to 2010... Mm -hmm. in Muscatchies with the working with the elders, the elected representatives from the four bands of, of Muscatchies and with with uh, you know getting going into the new RCMP detachment, you know, working with other people that I had underneath me, like uh, I had a constable there without mentioning his name that was phenomenal, you know, putting together a gang exit strategy you know, for that community. But more importantly, working with the elders in the communities. And, and that's when I started to really, I, I was always immersed in my culture. I always knew I was an Indian. I was always registered as a, as a Métis person. But my dad had mentioned to me, and my uncle Hilaire, late uncle Hilaire, Latticer, my dad's older brother, always said that my Kukum was a treaty Indian. Mm -hmm. My cousin, Gary had researched our family tree and never did find. But when I was in Muscatchies in 2010, my my culture came my culture came to life even more than what I had practiced being in all those indigenous RCMP officer positions. Touched on, I went to the powwows all the time, like that picture there of me and, of myself and the and the warrior dancer at Frog Lake, my home community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Frog Lake Band for the 131, which I'm a member of, that's at their community. But in 2010, in 2010, when I got ill in 2010, and I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come to the women how strong they can be. Before I, before I got ill, shortly after your father passed away, I had a dream one night that that uh, I was walking up this hill and it was really slippery. I couldn't get up this hill, and this great big bear came out of there. Mm -hmm. It was a big brown grizzly bear, and I. And I thought he was going to eat me. And when he when he came to me in my dream, he came and walked beside me, and I could just feel his hair with my right hand mm -hmm. in my in my dream. And I I walked up this hill, and there was a whole bunch of people, and they had sticks, and they were going to beat me up. And the hill was slippery; it had mud and snow. And this big bear walked with me. And when I got to the top with this big bear, the people split, and I went through it with the bear. And I woke up and I thought, oh man, that's a, that was a very powerful dream. And and from all the sweat lodges I had been to over on the Ermanskin Nation at Virgil's place, uh, 
sweating there numerous times, being with Mr. Lewis, I touched about late Raven Mackinac in the past, and I said, there's got to be something to this. So I knew because of people like late Georgina Baptiste, who was our elder in the RCMPD detachment, the new detachment, where her and I, her and I uh, delegated a room as an elder's room where people could go talk to the elders. And Georgina and, and Baptiste is from where? From Samson Band. She's mm-hmm. from Samson. Uh, she married a man from Louisville. But Georgina passed away a few years ago. But I knew her when I was a constable. Mm-hmm. And to come back the second time, she was one of the very influential elders and very w- wise and worked our front desk at the detachment. And her and I built this room uh, with insight from other elders. And if you ever go through Muscatchee's, anybody who hears this podcast, stop and have a look at the drawing on the wall that, that Georgina's vision was of the grandmothers and the grandfathers that are painted on that wall. It's phenomenal. Anyway, and where is it? In, in Muscatchee's at the RCMP detachment. Okay. There's, an, there's an elders room and we would use it every morning to smudge and and pray for our elders and, and safe and good being. But when I woke up from this dream, I thought, well, geez, you know what? And I contacted Roy. I said, Roy, Roy Lewis, I talk about all the time. I said, I had, I had this dream. Mm-hmm. He's an elder, right? I'm seeking advice from an elder. And uh, he said, you got to go, you got to go find an elder. You got to go find out was what Roy it is. Was Roy an elder? Roy was, a, Roy was an elder, find... but Roy is a, Roy's Roy's a different kind of elder. Roy is not a Roy's Roy's an elder of influence, political elder, knows the culture and everything, but I needed to go find a Sundance man. Mm-hmm. Sundance man, a ceremonial man. And I knew who that was when I when I said, Okay, I'm going to see I'm going and see uh I'm gonna use I have to respect the elder and use his name. I said I'm gonna go see Joey Deschamps in Louisville. Because mm-hmm. I had sweated with him numerous times, so I went to, I got some tobacco and I and I went, but I knew protocol from being, mm-hmm. all in all my, in all my time in the last, time, 30, in, in years the last the thirty years and going going mm-hmm. sweating and smudging all the time and I I knew what protocol was, so I went to see, and and we. Uh, Joey Deschamps would do our cross cultural training in Pasargastel Correctional mm-hmm. Center. Or that drum I told you about the sitting over Oh, yeah, here. okay. Uh, can we talk about that? Are you okay with that? I'll come Just to real? it. Okay. We, uh, we held all our cross-cultural sensitivity training of the Plains Cree people, which was uh, the class was ran by Roy Lewis and mm-hmm. his wife. Uh, we taught RCMP officers of the significance of the four directions, mm-hmm. the significance of the Sundance, the sweat lodges, and the traditional... Cree ways of life, mm-hmm. uh, and we and we taught all those, all 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 of that curriculum, which was and Roy's wife was a educational instructor, mm-hmm. so her curriculum and Roy's clicked curriculum. We we held those sessions at Pasagasdale Correctional Center, uh, which is the federal correctional center in Muskegee's. So all our training sessions were there. So when you're there all the time and you're running, bringing people to these training sessions and you're spending time with the warden, the inmates get to know you, mm-hmm. right? They get to know you. So when I got transferred from Muscatchees into Aboriginal policing, they made that drum for me. And they so present, the inmates were your friends? They print, presented it to me as a grift. It's a hand drum of a bear claw, mm-hmm. which takes me back to my story of the bear coming up the hill with okay. me when I'm going through the... There's such a stigma 
for inmates and yeah. people in the facility that I don't agree with. Clearly, you see them as people rather yes. than just like yes. the scum of the earth. There's all those underlying issues we touched on already yeah. before. So when I to get back to the yeah, so I I go to I go to the elder and they're making who you worked on that thing with yeah yeah, yeah. yeah to Joey's place I go to Louisville with my uh, tobacco and I ask him I tell him about this dream I had and uh, he was making pipes with two inmates mm-hmm. from the uh, center two youths and uh, he told me I was going on a journey he said you're going to be going on a journey and. And I don't really know what that journey is as you as you're here today with me. And but it's gonna be a difficult journey, but it'll all work out. Watch for the four bears. He said, because you're gonna see the four bears. Four bears? You're gonna see four bears in, in, on your journey. On the way to Louis place I've seen one bear. What? I seen one bear before on, he even before told I did, you before about the... about the four bears, I seen one bear. On the way there, just uh, over here by Pigeon Lake, and there's usually no bears around here. It was a black bear. And so I thought, okay. So I spent that afternoon with him, and then I, uh, I came home. And, and shortly, uh, shortly after that, when I went for uh, my medical checkup, I demanded to have a colonoscopy because your dad had just passed away, mm-hmm. and they found cancer in my... Uh, so you, you knew you were sick, but you didn't know what it was yet. I, no, I, I didn't know I was sick. I went for a routine scheduled checkup. Oh, so yeah. you didn't even know you were no, sick, no, but I you had not. this dream, yeah. and you went to figure it out, and then something in you said, I need to get this tested, which I, is something I you always to wanted. After your dad passed away, I wanted, a, I wanted a colonoscopy checkup to make sure everything was fine with me, because that's kind of what started with your dad. So I went to the... Got diagnosed with uh, a tumor and uh, in the colon, in, in the colon, cancerous. So I had to have surgery and and then I thought, and uh, when I went to uh, the doctor's office to to set up the schedule the appointment for the surgery, mm-hmm. uh, the receptionist desk had a print behind it and it was a big grizzly bear. It was on the wall. So a brown bear and a black bear. You so see. so again, there's a, a bear significance there from my dream. Eh? And I thought, oh, there's a bear on the wall there. You know, and I I had a dream of a bear. I've seen a bear. Okay. Are so, those the three bears? or just, no, okay, no, just no. two. So the bear thing keeps coming out, right? Okay. So even when I went for my surgery, mm-hmm. when they wrapped me in my legging cloths and my, before they put me into the surgery room, all my... Uh, uh, cloth in my pajamas were bear claws when they put them on me. That's not... I've never uh, seen that in a hospital. No, no, All the times it, my dad was in no, a hospital. But it happened to me. But yeah. It happened to me. And so I went in for surgery, and then I, of course, I came out to uh, recovery, and that's the time I'm off work for in in 2010. And then we went up to... Uh, and And it starts to come to me that, okay, that's what he meant. That's what the elder meant. I'm on a journey, but I'm on a cancer journey. I'm on a healing journey. And I'm on a cultural journey. I thought you knew you had cancer when you went to it, but no, you had no idea what your journey was going to be. That's what he meant. So we were going camping. uh, I'm out of the hospital and I'm in recovery. And and we leave our place at Vilna and we're going camping to Buffalo Lake Settlement Mm -hmm. at my brother Ron's place. And on the way to the camping spot, Mm-hmm. Bear crosses the road in front of me. 
Wait, no, okay, hold on. Sorry for that beeping again, technology, my computer, but you're on your way to camping with who? At my brother Ron's place. Okay. At Buffalo Lake Settlement by Lakovich. Okay. We were up at Vilna when I was recovering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a bear cross the road in front of us. I said, told Marina, that's, that's two, two. That doesn't happen no, a lot. I said, that's two, but get a load of this. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, you're not counting the poster of the bear? No, I'm not counting the poster. These are live bears. I said I was going to see four bears. Okay. So what kind we, of bear was So it? we go and visit. It was a black bear. Okay. So we go to uh, we go to see my brother, Ron, mm-hmm. and we spend we spend the evening there in our RV. And the next morning, Noreen needed something in town, so we had to go to Smoky Lake, which is north of there. Mm-hmm. And when we're... And when we're going to Smoky Lake, another bear crosses the road, but this time it's a brown one. It's a brown bear, different bear. So wait, in, like, in a small time frame, you got two bears crossed your path like, in front of your vehicle. Yeah, I see one going to see the elder, one going around, my brother Ron's, one going to town to pick up something, that's three, there's still one more to come, mm-hmm. right? So Tune so, in next so episode, next I'm just day, kidding, we're not doing that. So the next day... <laughs> So Could the next, imagine? so the next day, the next day, uh, we get a phone call from our neighbors uh, that live next door to us in Vilna, and she phones and tells Noreen, "There's a bear in your backyard." I seen here. A bear. No, at our place oh, okay. in, in Vilna, where okay. we lived on the lakefront. Yeah. She says, "There's a bear that's in your backyard." I seen a bear in your backyard today, and I think the guys are going to go out and shoot. I said, "Don't touch him. Leave him alone." That's oh. my fourth bear. Four. What kind of bear was it? It was a black bear. So black, three black four. bear and one, one brown one. one brown one. All in one short span versus never seeing span. it your whole life. But remember what Joy said. I'm going to see four, right? So so that's so that's good because in our culture, four directions, four seasons, four bears. That's good. I'm on I'm on the healing journey of and the bear, the the. Uh, the drum, when you think about it now, mm-hmm. right? The the bear claw the, the bear on, your, claws, on your the bear claws hospital. Uh, my pipe that I didn't talk about. That's right. They made that's, you that drum before this whole happens, right? Yes, my my pipe that's sitting over here where we walked by. It's got a bear claw on it. I haven't told you that story. How and I this was it. all before. This is this all comes in before the bear, and that's why I say. And that's why I say the bear is my protector. He's my spirit. He's my bear claw, like on our coffee cup. Mm-hmm. I gave you, I said, for the bear claw is my Yeah, is my for protector. good healing, they, uh, my Uncle Nanty gave me some tea with honey, and he put, I, 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 I didn't want to tell you guys, but as, as I was setting up, I heard you really excited, and Auntie Doreen's like, oh, you're so excited that we have to use the bear claw cup for her tea and everything. Yeah, but that's the significance of it, though, now that I tell you this story. But I got chills, because do you remember? My dad's favorite number has always been four, and I never connected it, because his favorite player was Bobby Orr, number four, four, four. from the Boston Bruins, so four... Four has directions. been yeah four, four has always been something in our house mm-hmm. cuz it was his favorite number and after he passed away without knowing it the four kept popping up so when i graduated the table they sat me at was number 4 like four keeps popping up in yeah. my life and i never connected it to the four directions yeah. of our culture so i just really got yeah. chills when you're talking about 444 yeah. four, four, cuz that's what my dad and here's, that's him and and here's a, no, uh, a number 4 even before even before I went for my for my surgery or or uh, 
after I talked to Joe and he told me I was going on a journey, mm -hmm. before I went for my surgery and before I had seen all the forebears, the first thing my friend Lawrence, and I'm Lawrence Amo, uh, who's still a good friend of mine, he's another indigenous man, him and I sweat all the time and we have for many years with our with our elder Mel Abraham mm -hmm. and our other, our other Kahiwan First Nations man, Kenny Dion. He said, "We're we're going to Frog Lake for a healing sweat. We're going we're going to see Mel. They're getting ready for a healing sweat to help you with your sickness." We I went to Frog Lake, and that's Mel has always been my been my teaching elder for many 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 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's and that is when I met my very powerful medicine man, Elder Moise Paul. That feather on the wall, mm -hmm. that's from him. That's from him. I sit here today healthy because when we went there uh, to the sweat lodge. And, and this we, was after you saw your fourth bear? This is before I even seen the four bears. Okay. I'd seen one bear only. Okay, this so this so I'm is. Ba I'm backing up a little bit. Okay. My, my treatment and, and the way the power of song and, and the power of, of our medicine can help people. That's why I'm here because, because of that. When I talked about, I touched on the way the women are the power people. Mm. Well, we went to the sweat lodge at Moise's place in Frog Lake. And what Nation. year was this? Uh, that was in 2010. Okay. Year 2010. Uh, we got the we got the, the table ready. The rocks did, did our normal protocol. Uh, went went to see our uh, uh, my, my uh, little spirits. So we call him uh, uh, the trickster man, Osagichuk. Went to see him in the back and uh, did my offering, my tobacco. But when we went, when we were going into the sweat lodge, four women showed up, pipe carriers, four women. Susan, Auntie Susan, I still call her, late Nancy, and there were two other ladies. I I don't know them. I haven't seen them since, and they're all medicine women, pipe carriers, four of them. And there were and there was Moise and Mel, two el two elder pipe carriers. I'm junior elder. I'm a pipe carrier too. Uncle Tom from Onion Lake. There was four men that were carried pipes. Four women for my healing sweat lodge. And they came together. And to they help all you heal. came together to help me heal. I went in when Lawrence and I went into that sweat lodge. I've been in a lot of sweat lodges. I've sweated a lot with a lot of people, and and with Mel, and. Uh, when those women uh, sang our songs in the lodge, uh, after that, after that very second round, when the, when they were singing to the grandmothers, to grandmother spirits, mm -hmm. and we came out for a break, it knocked me right out almost. Same with Lawrence, I had no power. Just the power of song, the power of. What does it feel like to be like? Just, just, it, it just felt like everything inside me. If there was any illness was gone it felt like it was gone because just the 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 song the beat of the drum and the lodge and the rattles and and the women singing for them mm -hmm. singing and it it just like it took everything out of me that was there so we we did our we did our sweat like in our normal fashion four rounds had our tea have our we, we have our, our feast between round three and round, round four. We do the four, we do the fourth round and then af after that we go to the house for the feast 
and uh, Nancy, Lake Nancy, Moise's wife, uh, sat me down and said, okay, face the east, I got some, I want to give you some medicine. Can you um, explain, um, just for the viewers who have no inkling of what this means in our Métis culture and everything? Maybe well, well when, you, when you go into the lodge and this was the healing sweat, the first thing you're doing is you're, you're, uh, you're bringing print, the cloth. My, my cloth was, I used uh, a white cloth for the grandmothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the grandmothers to pray for me for my healing. A healing cloth is a white cloth, and I brought my red cloth. Mm-hmm. Bear spirit is a red cloth. Mm-hmm. Brought my tobacco, but the significance you 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 sing in the lodge because we touched on about the Catholic Church earlier on. Mm-hmm. The Catholic I don't believe in the Catholic Church anymore mm-hmm. because I feel like the Creator is there. There's one Creator, mm-hmm. and when you sing to the grandmothers, you're asking. Grandmother's son, grand, grandmother Earth, uh, all the grandfathers, all the grandmothers to take any sickness away, and take it out, take it out of the lodge, and get, 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 take it out of me, and and get rid of it. That's the significance of singing those songs in the lodge, and having the pipe ceremony before you start, because you're asking, you're asking the Creator to help you on a healing journey. In, in my case, that's what it was. And that's why those four women were singing. And that's and good that, medicine. Yes, because they're, they're praying for you. Catholic priests ask for forgiveness to somebody when they die or bless this person or baptize this person. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same concept, except it's in a lodge where we sing. And we sing songs, you know, we sing songs of telling people to, to walk with us. We sing songs of... Uh, asking for rain or or asking for good weather uh, we sing all those songs in the lodge in the Cree language um, I don't understand Cree the odd word here or there but I've heard the song so many more I, so many times I know what they're about so when and when when late Nancy was singing her song because the four pipe carriers you sing four four songs in the lodge mm-hmm Every woman pipe carrier sang one song when it was time for the time. And for, by the time, second one, you were time, feeling yeah, time for the women to sing. We'll let we'll let the we'll let the we'll let the women sing because they're the powerful ones. And the all you can ask any elder, any elder, whether they're Blackfoot, Dene, Cree, the women are the are the strong ones. So after after the sweat, we went in and I. She made me sit at the kitchen table when we were going to have our feast after the sweat. Mm-hmm. Sit towards the east. She gave me the uh, the tea that she had prepared. I don't know what she had in it. She she uh, sang a song again and said a prayer, mm-hmm. and I drank my tea, and then she uh, she sent me home with uh, tea to drink, and told me I had to come back. So I did. And she never told you what she put nope. in the tea? Nope. Just said so, it was good medicine? Yeah, yeah, so I went I went back for another sweat. What is the importance of being a pipe carrier? Well, your your pipe carrier is your... They're the ones that say the prayers before you start, right? You can't just go buy a pipe and... Say so you're be, a pipe be, carrier. Yeah, so you're a pipe carrier. There's a whole other story to my pipe that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was given to me and transferred to me in front of Chief Mountain in Blackfoot Territory. Mm-hmm. Down by Pakani, Pakani Nation with Harley and 
Morris Little Wolf, and my good, my elder. Mm -hmm. I took an elder with me from my people from Frog Lake, Mellie Brown. So the significance of a pipe carrier is is your is your leader in the lodge. In the lodge, he's he's usually going to be your Sundance man. Mm -hmm. You'll carry a pipe. I, I'm not even there yet. I'm learning. There's so much. There's so much more to learn. Mm -hmm. But if you use, you can use a pipe to do your own ceremony mm -hmm. and to to make you feel better when you're ill. Mm -hmm. Like the time I had a. Like the time I had a bleeding nose that wouldn't stop for three weeks. So I phoned Moise. I phoned Mel. I said, my nose won't stop bleeding. Can you guys can you guys sing a song for me and smoke? Mm -hmm. Smoke for me and I'll I'll do the same with my pipe. Mm -hmm. I went into the bush. I did that. My nose stopped bleeding. They they did their thing on their end in Frog Lake. I did it in Vilna and my nose stopped bleeding after two weeks and it wouldn't stop. These are like practices that were almost lost. And it took you it took you nearly thirty years to discover your culture and practices. And it's not it's not because Papa and Mama didn't want to teach you these things or involve it. It's because it was by law sometimes taken away from us. To the point yeah. where you don't know how to speak the four languages. Well, it, was it was taken away from me. Yeah. My great-grandmother, Mary Ann Cardinal, mm -hmm. 1869 General Enfranchisement Act under the Indian Act, when she married my grandfather, Absalom Latticer, lost her treaty rights mm -hmm. because she was a woman and she married a non-Indigenous man who was Métis, mm -hmm. so they took her treaty rights away. I technically was a, was a status Indian when I was born in June 1960. Mm -hmm. But I didn't get my Indian status till 2019 through... through Took me thirteen years of family research to finally find out that I was. And even then, like your close relations, like me, don't get no, don't get considered that way. And and it's not because again, like me, when I think about growing up, I thought my dad always taught me I was Métis, and because of his cancer and other things, I never got to learn too much about my culture until I myself um, pursued my. Industry, which is in the theater yeah. and the arts, and I've, I've learned a lot about smudging through the Blackfoot through and Treaty your... Seven people that welcomed me into the Indigenous-led theater and taught me a lot. It was my first time that I remember smudging. I'm told that maybe when I was one, but it's again like the <laughs> the point of this for me that's really special is to teach that no matter what age we're all trying to decolonize, and it's and and you coming to learn all this it is so important and so beautiful because it it was it was kept from yeah. you yeah yeah so you know and, and like like um Maurice and Nancy told me you know I went back for the for the next sweat and then yeah, my, and then I went to back. the Sundance yeah. I went to the Sundance mm -hmm. for prayers from all the from all the sun from the Sundance man that was there running the Sundance it was Mel Sundance but again, I went for prayer and healing at the in the Sundance Lodge with all the whistles and the dancers. I've been there. I've done that stuff with them, and I'm still learning. And, and it's hard for me to sit here and say that on, unless to explain exactly the significance because it's hard to ask those questions because you can't even really, shouldn't ask an elder questions about significant ceremonial things. You can do it when there's snow on the ground. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Because you're covered like that. See, and I'm learning. I did. I'm. When I apologize. When there's snow on the ground, you can ask those questions. But when there's no snow on the ground, those significant sac- sacrifices uh, that elders make. Because when you're a pipe carrier, if you go, if you go, if you're singing and, and you're going into a lodge, and I was taught this, that if somebody is sick within that lodge, you can take that sickness, and that that's happened to me. I've been there. I've taken somebody's sickness when I go to a lodge and pray for them. I've had that happen to me. Uh, I've had those experiences. But again, I wouldn't be sitting here today because I went through my surgery, my therapy, and uh, I went to the Cross Cancer Center. Mm -hmm. I've never had radiation. I've never had chemo. Uh, They found a second carcinoid tumor near my appendix. Uh, I've never had any treatment. I've I've always prayed. I've always smudged. I've been to the sun dances. I've drank the teas. Uh, and that's why I'm healthy. It's the power of song. It's the drum. And you it's no longer have lodge. that uh, yeah. the other tumor. Is it? Did it go away? Or? Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. It's. I, I go for my regular checkup. So far, so good. Right? can come back anytime. Uh, we talked about that pipe that I have. I found it. because. But the, the interesting thing about that pipe, when I found it, it was abandoned. And and it was in the RCMP building in Edmonton, and I was looking for file folders, and an old an old filing cabinet where there was a ton of papers, and I came across this bag. I knew it was inside it right away. I knew it was a pipe bag. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a pipe bag. I took it into my RCMP office and I opened up and it was a pipe and it had a bear claw on it, and it's red and white. I I can't touch it because I had a beer for dinner so I will not touch it tonight Mm -hmm. maybe I can show it to you tomorrow morning Mm -hmm. but I couldn't find out where this he didn't just drink a beer for dinner we had the lovely meal made by Auntie Noreen (laughs) just so people don't think he's just having a liquid dinner tonight no 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 no. (laughs) just a whole meal (laughs) a good meal yeah the squash was delicious wasn't it Mm -hmm. in any event I uh I take this pipe in there and I figure, well, where did it come from? Because I worked in Aboriginal policing as a sergeant and it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So this time I go back the second time yeah, and I, and find, I this? find this pipe in headquarters in the RCMP building. And it was in 2010 too? Uh, yeah. Okay. 2010, see? Oh, we're, we're, still, on, thing, we're eh? still on the, okay, we're still but, on track. But no, I, 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 I kind of mentioned where I've been in my career. But again, it's part of the cultural thing. So when I finally, I phoned people who worked in Aboriginal You're policing. trying to find who... I'm finding, how did this thing get here? Mm-hmm. Whose pipe is it and why did it get here? And I phoned quite a few people and I figured, okay, I'm going to phone my friend Harley. Mm-hmm. Harley is a medicine man mm-hmm. from Pecani. I phoned Harley. You, you know what he tells me on the phone? I said, Harley, do you know anything about this pipe I found in headquarters? I found it under a pile of papers. Dust, the pipe bag's all dusty. It's been neglected. He says, ah, you're the one. I said, what do you mean you're the one? He said, well, that pipe's been coming to me in my dreams. Somebody found it and has woke it up. Somebody woke it up. It's you. He says, bring it to me. He said, that pipe belongs to you. I'm the one who brought it there. He said, that the pipe comes from the, from the Mi'kmaq Nation down east of Nova Scotia. I'm the one. I brought that pipe from Nova Scotia. I brought it into the Aboriginal policing in Edmonton, and I brought that pipe so we can teach people about the significance of our culture, our First Nations culture. 
And when I got transferred from there many years ago, I left it there as a teaching tool. But now it's yours. You woke it up. It's been coming to me in my dreams the last week and a half. So I need you to come down here and we need to transfer it to you because it belongs to you now. And now you are going to have to learn a little bit more about being a pipe carrier, being a ceremonial man, learn the Sundance ways, the significance of the sweat lodge in our culture. So like that, I packed it up. I got a hold of Mel. I drove to Frank Lake. I did tobacco, my protocol, asked my elder to come with me. And Mel and I went down to Chief Mountain, Pecani. Mm -hmm. uh, we met Morris Little Wolf, who's a, a very astute uh, Blackfoot elder down mm -hmm. there. Nice, very nice man. And we had a we had a pipe ceremony and a and a sweat lodge ceremony, and that pipe was transferred to me in the, in Blackfoot territory because that's where it comes from. And it's red, it's red and gray. Uh, you with know, a bear claw. I, with a bear claw on it. And I wow. will show it to you tomorrow. Okay. And on that note, before we um, end this session, you just spoke to and taught me how you're not supposed to ask elders of the purpose and reason why um, ceremonies and um, what it means to be like a pipe carrier and the cultural significance. I would further guess that it's very un, un, unlikely to also share that on such a public forum such as like this podcast will be i want to thank you for sh first of all sharing it with me and teaching me and as we go forward yes you're my uncle but i do want to be respectful as much as i want to try and explain to people who may not understand how do I go about asking you questions while being respectful of the fact that you are a junior elder? It's okay. It's it, it's fine. It's mm -hmm. fine. Um, the, the the normal process is you bring tobacco mm -hmm. before the session, and you're learning. So it's good. It's good. It's all good. <laughs> all good. But the the proper way to do when we're going to get into ceremonial things is to if you ever want to ask like when I went I said the story about going to Joey mm -hmm. I knew what protocol protocol means bring tobacco and say I want you can you tell me what this means in our culture or what's the significance of a Sundance and if you take tobacco mm -hmm. they're, to an elder mm -hmm. they're going to tell you Okay, because, so because they're going to accept your tobacco. Oh my goodness! It's, they're going to accept your tobacco. Yeah. They're going to accept your tobacco, right? And and they're going to say, yeah, okay, you know. <laughs> and if you don't have a pouch of tobacco, sometimes you don't expect things to come up. I did suddenly, give you something, but it wasn't tobacco. <laughs> that's fine. That's a gift, right? So I am. That, um, it, it, it's all good, Deidre. And sometimes, even myself being a junior elder, I want to ask a question, but I don't have tobacco with me a cigarette off somebody too it's the same thing it's the tobacco right it's like it's like it's never for me for me myself it's never take 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 in my mm -hmm. culture like when i harvested a uh, an elk this fall mm -hmm. i didn't have a tobacco on me i wasn't packing when when creator gave me an animal mm -hmm. i had asked if creator would give me an elk and, and creator did i used i used a natural grass you know, I still thank the Creator to the, face the East. Thank you, Creator. Thank you for giving me this animal to share with my family. And if you don't have tobacco, you improvise. Creator understands. 
It's, it's, the, it's the significance of practicing it and believing in it. In my mind, I completely, I knew you told me you're a junior elder. And I've learned from the Blackfoot peoples and like uh, indigenous uh, leaders and elders that I've worked with in my career in uh, Treaty 7 in Mokinstis. I knew its protocol is to give tobacco to a speaker who's coming in and sharing um, cultural knowledge and everything. But I was just like, (laughs) you told me you're a junior elder and I knew all that. And then I came here and I did give you something. I did give you something that I, cre- I, I made in BAM. In my mind, I completely, like, I heard you say you're a junior elder. And then I was like, I'm going to interview Uncle Don on his life. And he is my uncle and my family member. And I think it's important. The reason why I'm speaking to it before we, um, uh, like, go for this uh, segment is just because it's important to acknowledge mistakes, acknowledge them, accept them for what they are. And then to move on to be better. Yes. So now I know the next time if there's a season two and you want to return, now I know I will be bringing you a gift of tobacco because that's what this is about. It's about learning. Yes. So thank you for sharing all of this with me without the gift of tobacco. And thank you for feeling comfortable enough to speak up and say that normally I wouldn't answer these types of questions. But I'm, I was in the same situation as you. I told you the story about meeting Arnold Lewis and Roy Lewis. Mm-hmm. Those were elders. Yeah. Way back then when I was a constable. I didn't know anything about doing the tobacco thing. And I asked them a whole bunch of questions. You know, because when you're learning, the elders always forgive, right? Mm-hmm. Elders don't hold any animosity or bad taboo towards individuals. <laughs> they never do. They're accepting and understanding. And it's like I was telling one of my brothers the other day, he was upset at an individual mm-hmm. and I said don't hold grudges mm-hmm. because we are becoming the elders now we don't hold grudges you forgive you forget you work through things if you're mad at that person don't let it don't let it stew and fester inside you know just provide that individual some advice and move on don't be grumpy and grouchy because <laughs> All it does is work you up. You heard it here from the junior elder. <laughs> um, oh my goodness! Um, say your say your name for me one more time. Don Ladisser. Your other name. Joseph Donald Floyd Anthony. The missing names. Your indigenous name. <laughs> oh, my indigenous name. Yeah, just giving me a whole uh, list said, of I, others. I said I said Joseph because uh, when I went to join the RCMP, he uh, the priest made a mistake on my baptism. On my baptism certificate, he stuck a Joseph on it. So the whole time I was a policeman, that Joseph name was stuck, like on my paychecks for the whole time. What's with a a nun sticking you with their name just because they helped you be born, and then a priest sticking you with a name that had nothing to do with you? Exactly. So it's only after I retired Mm -hmm. from the RCMP, I got that name taken up taken off so when I phoned the pension center thank said, goodness see if you look at that plaque behind you it says JDFA I was wondering about that yeah, see, I'm like isn't D your that's, first that's where it comes from right? okay but for so, our viewers at home you're the from the junior elder your indigenous name Montonski and which means man, man who walks, walks here yeah walks the earth um Thank you for your teachings for this uh, episode, <laughs> and thank you for correcting me and feeling open with it. 
These ones are getting longer, but uh, I I wouldn't have it any other way. We will see you uh, uh, for our next episode, <laughs> dear uncle. And yeah, I'm learning. You're learning. We're all learning. <laughs> I just taught Uncle Mokinstis. Did we do an hour again? Yeah, we did an hour. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just wow. flies right by. Thank you so much, audience members, and we'll we'll talk to you at our next episode. Bye. <laughs> this was Deeds Discovered a lot. I discovered a lot. <laughs> and welcome back. Deeds has finished discovering for this afternoon, this evening, this whatever time you're listening to. And welcome back. This is time for Downtime with Deeds. We are now reflecting. Deeds, what do you think? <laughs> Not sure where that came from, but I've been listening to another podcast and this guy creates his own character called DJ Honey. Oh, you're listening to the buzz with is DJ radio, Honey. Is this your radio voice I'm getting? Your character? Well, not right now, but like I was kind of the voice. I was it. going into it a little bit. I'm, yeah. You know, I, sometimes I got to speak to people with work, and so sometimes I'll just pop into it. I'm like, where did this come from? But okay, I, no, like okay, the laughter was all from pure joy. Anyway, we're um, back. I'm gonna remind you right now to take a sip of water. Oh yeah, because that's probably really good for your health. The interview we just listened to with yeah. Uncle Don. Yeah. How are we feeling about it? And uh, I know well, I got a I got a bunch of notes. I have um, three pages of notes, I but think like I do too. Here's the thing. Yeah. I must say this before we forget. Okay. They there was a a moment in the interview where Uncle was referencing dreams that elders have had around them that mm-hmm. informed their healing journey and how and then they talked about bears and here's something that blew my mind so in the in the interview oh my gosh i can't believe past me didn't even do this in the interview uncle's telling the story of the four bears referencing how they received the hand drum from the inmates of that one correctional facility that had bear markings on it mm-hmm. as a gift. And then they received the pipe. Yeah. That all was... before they were diagnosed with cancer. But then they kept seeing bears and then their elder no and then they had a dream where a bear came to them and like supported them. Yeah. And then the other elder saying, You're on a journey. Watch for the four bears. That's the quote. Yeah. You're you're going on a journey, watch for the four bears. I got really hyped, one, because dreams are extremely powerful and I can get into like certain dreams I have. But what really freaked me out, the number four keeps returning. And I was just so excited yeah. that like this four is coming back in like such a cool, we- re- weird way. Yeah. After we listened to the interview in our little break ski, mm-hmm. I was Googling something. And I stopped. No, actually, I stopped it while we were listening yeah, well, to it. while we were listening. I stopped it because I, I had just, like, this idea. And I was like, what is the mascot for the Boston Bruins? I, I know, like, the like the little logo is, like, a bee. Yeah. But I'm like, what's the mascot? So I'm like, oh, what if it was a bear? And I Googled it. And yes, it's a bear. And I'm freaked the frig out. I'm Boston. Put your khakis in your khakis. It is the bear that never sleeps, apparently. Never hibernates. That's what the Google, the Wikipedia says. And the fact that the past me didn't only connect it as far as the number four in Bruins. Here's here's what I'm thinking. My uncle had that dream after my dad passed away, shortly after, of the big bear that came. Mm -hmm. 
in my mind as I'm like looking at this mascot of a bear that I completely just like didn't like connect it to freaking out I'm like was that bear in the dream my dad yeah was he there to show strength and support as my uncle begins this uphill slippery journey to help him face off with the truth of the illness like I feel like the mob the crowd represented the illness to be like see you can you can face this Boston Bruins my dad bear bears have been with my uncle throughout his entire life well it's not only that it was um there was also four other things um four ladies four um uh, oh yeah women, the, the, pipe, the carriers pipe carriers that came they in. also came as well right and the, the significance of the number four that uh dawn touches on about like the four directions yeah the four directions in the medicine wheel yeah the thing about the dreams it's just it freaked me out, especially that mascot, because I'm like, Ooh. there's another one. Another one. <laughs> DJ Khaled. Another one. Not sponsored. What did you think about that? It was it was really interesting um, hearing about all that. And not only that, I kind of took it in a different way than when you said, like, mm-hmm. um, the bear coming out of the cave and the people, like, the cancer trying to attack him and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I might miss saying that. No, I, I, I took it as, like, the people representing the obstacle and, oh, like, the, the cancer and the, like, scary thing to, the, to face because oh, okay. this was before they, like, my uncle was saying that they had it on their mind since my dad passed away that they want to get a colonoscopy, and that's, like, a scary thing to get yeah, if you've and... never gotten it before, but uh, what were you saying? Because you... So, I, I took it in a different way, okay. and I took it in another way even just now mm-hmm. of saying, okay, well, the slippery slope, the bear definitely seems scary at first but comes as a protector for your uncle Mm -hmm. so the way that i initially interpreted it as taking okay well the bear is the protector after like your uncle goes up the slippery slope of the battle with cancer which is the issue that's he's walking over with the bear who's his right hand man Mm -hmm. because he can touch the fur on his right hand side Mm -hmm. um the people and who he's going up towards that just vanish afterwards, I thought were potentially like issues that he's having at work and uh, having like bringing uh, that more into it. So it's like, yeah, there's like, this like, there's the health journey, the health journey, but then the journey with like with the educating s- people yes. who in, in a problematic industry. So you saw it as like yeah, almost s- their like history because they said they this was when they were like away for nine months and they come back and it's like, yeah. The next last step before they retire, right? Yeah, and so I saw it as, like, the road that he's walking on may be slippery now, but he gets to the top of this hill, and the people that he was working with... That he was scared was going to, like... That were going to attack him and fight, just vanish. Like, he helps create peace, or the bear, and he helped create peace. They go away. Yeah, they go away. And even... I took it in another way when you were just describing... Um, the bear, like the, the, the mascot as well, as um, perhaps going up the hill, it's just the, the battle and the journey with cancer. And then the people fighting could be Western uh, medicine and influence and development right, right, of cause... them fighting down on him of what he should do according to Western style civilization and medicine. Of healing. Yeah, of healing versus the bear that's right beside him who knows where to guide him with his cultural background. The medicine... Yeah, okay, so yeah, that's, that's like a, that's, that's another, another way that you could interpret it. 
I, I, I like agree with that interpretation because say you're you're told you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> Cancer is such like a fear um, most societies can relate to. Yeah. Also, like, this is just a weird side note thing, but I hate when they say run for cancer because I'm like, why are you running for? That's almost like you're supporting it in the title when they're like, yeah. oh, this is a run for cancer. This is um, promote. This is like, um, this is a benefit for cancer. How about like against? It's, it's <laughs> run more, against cancer. Yeah, it's more benefit like, against cancer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you should say like run for research. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like for the survivors, or, because or like, like a, a quest to conquer. Because it's almost like that thing where you say it so many times, and that becomes the intention, or that you say it into existence. Yeah. So I always felt weird where people were like, "Oh, I'm running for cancer," and I'm like, "Why yeah. you like cancer?" <laughs> Anyways, that yeah, was no, just an aside. No, that's fair. But like coming back to this, my uncle turned down radiation yeah, and, and Western and, medicines and chemotherapy, and you're you're told. Okay, this is like really important. You just saw your brother go on a four to five year journey with cancer, utilizing Western medicine. My my dad also drank specialties and everything and tried other practices, maybe not as cultural based practices for mm-hmm. healing, but tried all the Western medicine could provide. You lose your brother to that. One would think like there'd be a pressure of like, okay, I just got diagnosed with that exact same thing. And Western society and maybe people around me are saying, you need to immediately go get surgeries, you need to get the radiation, you need to do everything yeah. you can to fight this. Because we just lost we just lost our brother, we just lost our dad, our uncle, our cousin. This, this we, we can't lose figure. you too, so you need to do this. But then my uncle saying, that is not the journey for me. And like, I didn't see that before. But yeah, that's literally saying, I'm going to stay right here with, with my with my guardian, my protector, this bear. And I'm going to go down this path. Yes. And like all throughout my uncle's journey in those nine months of seeing the bears after being diagnosed, that came from them focusing more on health and personal well-being, going to see, go camping with his brother, not missing out on life. And the bear coming to visit him when he's gone. And like, here's another thing, him saying, they're like, oh yeah, there's a bear. People are going to go hunt it. And he's like, no, leave the bear alone. That bear, that's my bear. Like, you you don't touch it. There are certain gifts, like, I think my uncle spoke on, like, when Creator gifted him an elk in a hunt that he was able to take and, like, Mm -hmm. disperse it. He said even then, like, he offered, like, special grass to Creator and said thank you. But there are some animals that it's not for you to partake in. No, it's for you to enjoy their presence. If we're going to go with this metaphor of Western medicine, that's almost like him saying, like, I can't kill the Indian inside me. I have to yeah. like, I'm, I'm almost crying and I know oh. it sounds corny, but oh, I'm like, it's hi. like him like verbalizing and saying, we're going to stick with that. Yeah. And that's important. And the reason why I'm almost in tears is because, is because I love the term, part of the tactics of assimilation and colonization is denying the importance of traditional medicinal ways in healing in, in indigenous cultures and that's what my like uncle claimed through his healing journey and he's still with us yeah you're allowed to feel yeah and I, I am feeling and it makes me excited because like also he was saying how like if you go to an elder and you ask they'll welcome you into a space this isn't something that isn't for people like this is a, a path forward yeah this is a path for him the bear, the dreams, the the weird mascot thing, the chilling, yeah, and then and like 
it's really on that topic of like it took so long for my uncle to come back i think that i said towards the end he said that as he's talking about the journey when they're like oh you're you're going on a journey he was like could be it could be the cancer journey my healing journey but then he said like part of that journey is you being here like he was talking about me yeah interviewing him sitting with him and listening to his words yeah. and he said i'm still learning what my journey is as you're here mm-hmm. you being here and like i'm still learning yeah and what it could be what the journey could be and you being here he like he had no idea what this could lead to well, I'm, well, yeah, he had an idea yeah, of the well, project and what was going to actually happen, but I mean, not to take it to a dark place, but bear attack, but, <laughs> not but getting, like, no, 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 not, no, that's not happening. Let's take it there. <laughs> but, uh, but um, like, no, like for real, the still learning. What that affirmed to me is like it's okay. Like what learning. we, what we're, we we've been saying is we're learning. We're yeah. always learning. We're always shifting and moving and on a journey i think like how we promote our podcast is like join us on this journey yeah and the fact that like here in the interview they're like you're going to be on a journey uncle joined us on this journey and now all this stuff is immortalized and it's the journey is important and the the way that your uncle views it as um a, a way of being of continuing to learn that is a way to live i would say just in general just to want to keep learning because I want to be the same person that I was today. Mm. If I woke up this morning and I'm the same person that I am or that I was this morning that I'm going to bed, that means that I haven't like learned enough in my opinion. I haven't gone out enough for my own way of life, the way that I want to live. I want to learn something new every day. And so for him to keep that with his lifestyle for now, I think is like throughout his entire journey of him wanting to keep learning i think that's unbelievably wonderful it's just like trippy man i'm like ooh. and also i want to like stay with you yeah sorry i want to bring it back to another part okay what 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 so lay it on me we fully have seen we saw a bear on the way out there we saw a bear at the campsite we saw a bear on the way into town well, on the way, to, we saw a bear on the way to the elder. elder. We saw a bear on the way to the campsite, and a bear going into town the next day. Yes, and then there's. And then the next day, they're still camping, and they're called. Yes, while they're camping, he didn't see that bear. Mm-hmm. So does that qualify as the bear in like his eyes? It sounds like it does qualify, but it just makes me think. Like he said, "No, I'll see four bears in person. I'll see four bears." So. Would that be the bear coming to see him? Mm. Or is does he have another bear to perhaps find out there? I think, like, he went to places where the bear was existing, where they were living. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the fourth bear came to his home? I don't know. I, I, I think, like, it's both. Like, I think it definitely, Uncle, that's his bear. That's yeah. why he's like, don't, don't, no shooting my bear. Uh, don't shoot that bear. I was like, excuse me. Excuse me, leave it alone. It's yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it could be that, but I'm also like, does, if he happens upon another bear in his lifetime. Yeah, I've, I was thinking earlier as well as I know that he said that he found a pipe, right? Mm-hmm. And it has bear, like bear claws or bear tracks on it, marked. It was. It's, it's red and gray. It's red and white. Oh, it's red and white? Red for represents is the color of bear. 
apparently. And I think, I can't remember. I, it, it does have bear healing. markings. Yeah. Um, my thing is, before we get into that, okay. real quick, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you have any imagery that keeps reoccurring in your life at pivotal moments that you're like, ooh, that, that's weird. Okay, why, does that, is... why is that so, why does that keep happening? Whether you see it in your dreams, in real life, what it has. Um, when I was younger, it was the weirdest thing. I kept finding books in my house about David Suzuki. Who's that? He's like a conservationist who's Canadian. He's like, I don't know why. I was like from grade Like three. multiple books? Yeah, like, like, the... like in my house at the school library, I was gifted a book with him on it. And I'm like, why is this man here? What does this man have to do with Not anything? even Steve Irwin. No, it was, it was David. And I'm like, what? David, David, what are you doing? Not the Australian you were looking Not for. Not the Australian that I was thinking about. But um, no, <laughs> that man was in my life for like an odd amount of time it's between so grade funny. grade two and grade six. But there's such grade a two core to grade memory. Seven. I'm like, why is this man everywhere? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Now it's it's oh. it's been less prevalent, or maybe I've been less observant of it. When I was traveling last month in September, um, I was working at a club five years prior to that, five years prior, five to seven years prior, and it was the first like real job that I had gotten myself for like a big name club, and I was out promoting it, saying like, hey, you should come into our club. Hey, you should come into our club. This guy came by and said, hey, here's my card. You're doing an excellent job. If you ever come down to Las Vegas, come visit me in my club. I had kept this card for over five years, and I finally was able to reach out to him and said, I'm finally in Vegas. I have your card. I don't know if you remember me, but just if you're, if you're down to have a drink, we'll just say hi and say and do whatever. It happened, and... We just had a drink. It was almost like a business opportunity of like, hey, if you're ever in town, I will take you to all of the clubs that I manage. This is all the things that I do here. And I was blown away. This guy went from just being a club promoter to being way more in like the Tau group of like clubs down in Las Vegas, which is like Hakkasan, um, Omnia, and like the club in Aria. There's a whole bunch like Wet Republic where Stevie Oki plays all of these clubs and he just he said come with me and I was able to just walk around all these clubs in all the areas because I knew this man Damn. and so to me it was a very full circle moment and I gave him his card back and he said I cannot believe that you've held on to this card for this long and I was like well it was kind of really important to me at the time and so yes. it's it's less of a, a, a recurring theme yeah. A more full circle. Yeah, I think uh, I, I mentioned it in the thing, but my recurring thing is the number four. Yeah. How it keeps, like, I mentioned the university, but, like, certain rooms, places I go to, it's like I'm seeing, like, four everywhere around me. Yeah. And then we, we got into more of, like, the dreams and the imagery around, well, not imagery, but the actual, like, happenings of there's the dream of the one elder of, um, saying hey you awoke the pipe yeah you need to <laughs> come over here and do the go to the proper pro go through yeah. the proper protocol of finding first of all um i will say 
maybe it's just because I'm generally angry, as I said earlier, but I was kind of like pissed off when Uncle said, I found it and it looks like it wasn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't treated for. nicely, it wasn't yeah. cared for, and it was just under a, a bunch of junk and dusty, and that like hurt my heart because then when he went to like talk, speak to the elder who brought it there, the elder brought it there with all the best intentions mm. of creating that communication, and it's just like the pipe. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying I got angry because the pipe was disregarded after that elder brought it Mm -hmm. and gifted it to the police station with the hopes that they'll educate themselves and keep on the care. Forgotten. Not... Because my uncle was saying how he could have used it when he was doing all his work in the past 30 years before he was getting into his finer roles. He's like, where was this when I began? I'm saying it connecting it to my uncle creating that program because again there's this constant theme that I'm hearing where for a lot of the RCMP a high percentage they don't care to respect what was already given to them by the indigenous communities I feel like their indigenous officers have worked so hard to maintain and come together to have a healthy relationship going forward or to say we need to acknowledge the past but time and time again in my uncle's story previous to all the work my uncle did in bringing people into the force help diversify it more the people already existing within the force seem to not put in the effort to respect what was given to them or try for themselves in some way i think you were talking about how and this might be getting into the next thing what were you saying before I even no, got I'm, into I'm this? No, I'm sorry. I, w- I was just, I got a bit lost because I was thinking in, an, in another direction than when you were thinking about. Let's hear it. So you were thinking about how reaching out into community to bring people in to make this. It's not, come not, join the RCMP. It's like no. putting in the work to make it available. Yeah, making it available for um, people to have the option if they want it. I was thinking more so like it was forgotten about within the system. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm just oh, yeah, for the pipe, the pipe, the yeah. pipe, that's part of it. Yeah. To me, I'm like, here's my uncle, an indigenous officer, talking about all the work not only he did, but that elder did who even brought in the pipe and so many other constables. What you're saying about the pipe, that's what I'm talking about. In our little break ski, <laughs> you spoke to, I think I, I was saying, why is it always my uncle and other indigenous officers who have to do this work to bridge these connections to these communities, to um, create safe places within the RCMP for our fellow indigenous officers to come in, to create opportunity? Why is it always on them? It and, shouldn't be on them. It's on everybody to make everyone feel comforted and warm. But something you told me made me understand where you're like, maybe they understand that seeing a familiar face is the reason why maybe the reason why your uncle was there to Uh talk to the elders in I think Bikani no Um, where was it uh, we wrote this down Um, I remember we were talking about how he became an inspector and was the coordinator between the people and the government uh, to work together not against each other in um, protests yeah so I looked at it from the other side of the glass if you're going to say like that or like on the other side of the table so to say of it's unfortunate that they always would pick him to be that person to go into those communities of like why is it always him why can't they pick someone else why can't they pick a non-indigenous person to do this maybe because he's a familiar face yeah maybe because it it creates more of uh, a welcome thought of okay well even though you're with the RCMP you're still part of our community and well 
the general like indigenous pan community but like my uncle's not like blackfoot right for this particular incident but like they're an indigenous person who could relate but going past that you said maybe they would want the the best person for this job is someone who did the work to understand it yes and that's all getting to the heart of how within the infrastructure how we talked about in previous chapters yes doing the work should not be solely on the indigenous person within the infrastructure yeah it should be everyone should understand it and do the work do the work do your studies build relationships and communities actually like have a Understand. conversation with someone outside of your own little outside of your bubble. own bubble yeah outside yeah. of your own community understand where other people are coming from they shouldn't have just sent him to do it they need to have another person to go there who's not an indigenous person to be able to learn and to grow and to perhaps bring it into back into the system itself so that Everyone can learn together. I'm glad the pipe found its way back. I understand why my uncle had to do all that work and why people like Harley did that work. And it's just, there's so much time of missed opportunity Mm. to go about this properly. When my uncle was saying, oh, I designed this college program to get like indigenous men and women into it in a safe way. I feel like, uncle, did you like design that because that's what you wanted? Was... You wanted that college program for yourself. You're be- you're the person who had to like break into this. And I, I-, I was reflecting back on the previous chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier I said like, oh, I listened to that and reference to like, mm, whatever we're doing this time around. Yeah. In the previous chapter, my uncle uses the language. They're like, I had to take the back door in. Yeah, and the I, term, I remember that, yes. The term back door is kind of negative in a way. It's, it's like almost like the term of like, oh, I had to skip the line. I had to sneak in. Yeah, I had to go the back right. So just even acknowledging the language my uncle used when they talked about how if <laughs> by entering it, he used the term term backdoor which to me makes it think like subconsciously he thought it wasn't the right protocol to go about it and he's getting special treatment for being native rather than being treated as an equal and getting in but again denying all the fact that all his opportunities were taken from him to be able to enter it i guess in the front door with everyone else that term reflects the to me at the time the society i hope you're getting what i'm saying i think i do the, the Language is so important. How we use language to reference our own selves in um, relation to everything around us, our work, our environments. When it's a term like that, like backdoor, there's no, there's almost guilt and shame surrounding it. It feels almost like less than. Yeah, and so we talked about how we, like, I felt like indigenous officers were treated as a subclass and a bandage on an issue. That comes back to it here where it's only be thanks to people like my uncle and other people in the force that maybe that backdoor terminology, maybe other indigenous officers coming up, the generations after, wouldn't use that term. They went went in and they did just the right amount of work and, but they're offering up themselves and their own vulnerabilities to it. I, I don't know if this is making sense, but I'm just like, connecting it to and fro and everything also they still had their brown coats yeah it was a different coat and didn't they abolish that and later yeah they did so even it was it was segregated from the get-go of that of okay well you're gonna be doing oh you're not the full red coat you're just 
you're, yeah. you're, you're using a brown coat. Anyone can get a brown coat. A red coat is and what my, you want, or at least that's how I'm interpreting it. Yeah, and, and then my uncle, I think he said with the college program <clears throat> that they designed, they go in and they come back as constables. Yes. As like actual RCMP. Yes, and opposed to just being tasked outside. And People, audience members, it's important. I keep saying it's important because it is important, but also like the the thing that I've, I'm spinning around in my head that I think is like <laughs> real important again is that <laughs> we can both come to an agreement that what we're saying is the indigenous for for everything that the indigenous officers did to further along these communications and these connections to the communities beautiful thank you thank you so much for your hard work and endeavors but the rest of y'all like you got to step it up i just think that everyone needs to be equally educated Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's no reason why not to have everyone educated on the same thing. Like, if you're all going to become RCMP officers, you all need to be covering the same curriculum. It's like any job. If they change, oh, well, we're changing the way that we fold the pants like this, then everyone has to change and learn how to fold the pants like that. So we were, we were talking how, like, uh, and I think my uncle iterated that, you know, they started out as this Métis man that had to take the back door in. And they ended their career like at the highest, highest top, being responsible for yeah. all. Um, that was unbelievable. For uh, I think uh, it went the the biggest one they had just before they were retiring was like they were responsible for nine detachments, but then it went to all thirty four I think detachments in Alberta. I'm trying to find the number. It I wrote wasn't. Down. It wasn't just Alberta. It was from the Northwest Territories south, oh, right, right, towards Claire's home. Yeah, yeah, and so they and that wasn't just like them being res- like in charge of like and indigenous like officers. They were. He said, "I began policing the police." on what they, like, I ended my thing policing the police, and I'm, like, thinking... That's unbelievable. Incredible. But it's also sad that we're, like, wow, that's incredible. You finally got to, like, lead all kinds of officers where I'm thinking... He said, like, out of 30 years, 23 of those years were dedicated to Indigenous communities. Yeah. In any other non-Indigenous officer's lifetime, how how many of their years were dedicated to Indigenous communities? Or could they go their entire career never stepping foot in an indigenous community? Because, again, my uncle was saying in future past, whatever, chapters, timelines, um, that it is still messed up, that people don't want to go into Muscochis. People don't want to go into indigenous communities and the police force. So on that note, if these teachings or these building of community relationships are necessary... I don't know if this is the right vote, but I'm like, should there be like a minimum requirement of you serving in indigenous communities as well as non-indigenous communities? I would say that it almost definitely should be. Um, I think that it's more so everyone's allowed to have preferences on like, oh, well, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be stationed here. Yeah, whatever. I understand. However, it doesn't change the fact that part of the program is you got to spend six months here. You got to spend six months here spend six months here it's just a different type of training you want to gain seniority and move up the ladder you can pick whichever way you want to go first but still you have to go through these steps to be able to move up into a next rank or into something bigger i it's just or i i get that people have choice 
my uncle had choices. Yeah. But uh, even, my uncle didn't have a lot of choices, let's be honest. Like, in a lot of the jobs and roles they gave him, it wasn't where he wanted and what yeah. he wanted. Yes. Because, but it, they, to them, they're like, we need you here. Like, it's necessary. The yeah. only reason he was needed in those other locations that prevented him from going to certain places, like working in enough communities, yeah. is because there are other officers who did not put in any of the time, work, or effort to be at that same level. Yeah, and I was just saying, like, in general, for, like, if, if they were to say, like, redesign the system, and you still gotta, you still gotta do the time, you have to try working here. Mm-hmm. It's like any sort of training, it's gonna be a part of something that you have to do in your career. You have to understand the community, you have to live in that community, experience it for at least a month. At least. All indigenous peoples, no matter what denomination, understand non-indigenous Canadian culture. Yes. We understand it inherently, what it means. Not all non-indigenous people understand the reverse. Yeah, and I like... And that's like a big part of... That's that's bad, harmful for them, because you're missing out on so much. Yeah, and I I learned so much in just like this, this one chapter here. Because I was really intrigued, and I wanted to ask questions, and then I was brought to the attention of you are not allowed to ask quest- you are not allowed to ask elders questions unless there is snow on the ground and you have tobacco to offer. Yeah, I don't know about the snow thing. I have heard about the don't ask elders questions since my uncle, and I think also prior. Like I just forget things. Yeah, you're allowed to ask me questions. I'm not an elder. I know, but still, and I and I am allowed to say no. I won't do it. But like with my uncle. Well, well, finish your thought before I... I just, it's like, I want to know. I want to learn. There's a lot of spaces and rooms I know. that open themselves up to invite anyone to come and participate. It's just sometimes I find it so hard to find these resources. I think... <laughs> I just, and like, Google random words where I'm like, where help find? <laughs> yeah, and... I think, like, a lot of it is just, like, learning... Like my uncle said, for years and years, they just participated and actively participated in sweats and how they still have many more years and many more things to do. Because I, I've realized in with elders I've talked to and what they share, a lot of it is, like sometimes they'll like open the space and be like, do you have any questions for me? Yeah, you can ask your questions then. But then a lot of the time it's learning by witnessing and participating in and just experiencing it. Yeah, and I... I, I love it. I want to know more. It's like my mind is hungry and I want to know. I wanted to know more about pipe carriers and the sweats and like the lodges and everything about it. And I wanted to know, it's like, if I bring like tobacco to an elder, can they re- choose to reject my gift? I mean, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I feel like I'm that's, just not an elder. I don't know. I know. And it's like, can I ask you these questions? Can I ask them out to the ether? You can ask me, but I, I can't. I can't I always answer them, I, right? I know. And but like, like, you just told try me. it. Like, there's there's places in this university, right, where you can go and like speak with elders. Like, yeah. there's spaces for it. I don't know. I recommend it. I think like look to your indigenous communities that surround you, wherever you happen to be in the world. Yeah. And reach out to rooms to people who are open to having you because some people also view it as a closed i've had people say like oh it's sacred it's closed practice so no one can be can can do this this isn't for you and they claim and say that it is because they need to protect this because for the longest time to do this was illegal 
I don't know if I can trust people with this. We have to keep it close to our heart. I've had, again, other people say that that idea of closed practice comes from colonial teachings. It was a mix of what was taught in residential schools where their strict religions, their strict rules started to co-mix with the traditional values. And before it was never closed practice, but it became closed practice, one out of fear, but also to some people to protect, but I, they view, they claim that it is because it is a colonized ideal mixing in with their own traditions. Yeah. And then I have some people who are like, hey, I don't think this is closed practice. Uh, to each their own. Some rooms, some smudges, some ceremonies, sweats. You'll, you'll find yourself in a space and they're not welcoming to you. Leave. There's a room for everyone. And for some people, some elders, other elders don't like how they go about their practices because they're so open. And they invite non-Indigenous people into spaces. And like for my Uncle Don, I'm sure there are people who would agree and then disagree with everything they're saying but that's their own journey and their teachings that's why i say like earlier we only represent ourselves because i think even elders it's not it's the word synonymous it's not all one thing they they don't all come to an agreement it's so different so like to people coming into it it could be like scary or just confusing what do i do yeah but like as my uncle said when they went and asked the other elder and the elders like you need to go find another elder and yeah. I've talked to people where they're like in their journeys, they've had multiple elders in their life because one elder would teach them however they do. And then at some point be like, I have nothing more to share with you. You need to find someone else. But it's the student, it's the person willing that does the work to go reach out. Uh, I, I, you know what I mean? So you, I, I, you have yeah. to, if you want to, you have to do, especially with your own indigenous identity, yeah, yeah. You're the one who has to like reach I out. To, and I need to lead my own practice. I need to find my own path and keep walking it. And be okay with being rejected and not have that personally reflect who you are. Yeah, because everyone's on their own journey. So just both sides completely get. Yeah, no, and that makes sense to me. It's like I, if I ask you, so what's your entire health history? You don't have to tell me that. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that at all. But it's like if say a doctor asked you that or even you can go to the point of saying well you gotta look around for the right therapist before you can click with one if you want to say it that way just to put it in different perspective yeah um, I think- it, everyone has their own teacher and their own method of teaching for me I've learned in many different ways I know that I'm a soft learner I need hands-on experience and someone who will guide me gently opposed to hammer it in and tell me that I'm doing something wrong because that doesn't make me feel good Mm -hmm. and so if an elder says hey I'm uncomfortable with teaching you this I'm uncomfortable with telling you this I understand and if it comes to the point of like oh well um if say if I find an elder who's willing to teach me yes I'll guide you the path may be bumpy and you may not like it but I will teach you and I'm I'm more than welcome to enjoying that. But I understand that everyone wears a different set of shoes. And maybe the path that I'm walking on is a sandy beach and I need Crocs. And say, <laughs> I'm wa- if I go find an elder who's walking up a mountain with snow, my Crocs won't fit for that terrain. Your metaphors take me on a wild trip, man. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's, <laughs> it's dumb, but it works. 
Um, oh, I rem- I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but I remember hearing this metaphor and this story of someone saying, um, a boy is lo- uh, this this young man is looking to work, and he wants to learn a trade, or he's looking for a guide, and so he's he's looking around and he keeps getting rejected and rejected, and then eventually he finds someone who's willing to train him. He says, ah, okay, great, and so they go on the journey together of they're working, they're farming, so the they engage in interesting conversation with different looks and different opinions and they have conversation and they learn from each other and they keep talking and keep talking until this kid has pretty much mastered the trade from the farmer who's teaching it to him. And so the farmer one day looks at him and asks him, what do you think about this? The kid gives him an answer and then the farmer gives another answer and they say, okay, and then kid asks him another question and the farmer says okay this is my opinion and the kid says I'm in a complete agreement and it's not about the technique of farming or anything he just says excellent I think it's time for you to go and he says why what do you mean you're not learning anymore from me we're too much in agreement. You, you agree too much with me you need to further yourself so you need to find a new teacher who will challenge you to learn differently Oh. Yeah, no, that I think that's it. That's the heart of it. Yeah, it's like everyone has a different teacher and everyone has a different method. And if you want to learn, the resources are there. Whether they want to teach you is another thing. Mm-hmm. And once you're ready to learn, you have to be willing and ready to learn. Like it's you yeah. want to be able to learn. It's a journey. So I want... <laughs> um, Duolingo was quite prominent amongst the paper rustling in the interview mm. and that was my auntie learning duolingo um i think i was too invested at the time to be like hey auntie could you turn down your duolingo but I, me and savvy just thought it was funny because i'm like i'm being triggered because oh it's hilarious I, we gotta we are friends on duolingo yeah. and we have a long relationship with trying to learn I think French. French. I'm learning. I'm trying to learn French. You're learning. I already know French. It's just to keep it up. Um, But my longest relationship is with this damn owl, and it is a toxic relationship. You just immediately knew when you kept hearing I heard heard the check mark sounds. I was like, oh, my God. That owl is up in there. They're following me. Oh, my God. That was hilarious. Looking over my shoulder. But I I, thought... Oh, my God. Uh, So another thing... um, we talked briefly earlier about the the drum, the hand drum, yeah. and how it was made by the inmates. Um, it sounded like there was mutual respect between your uncle and the inmates, and it felt more amicable than just officer and inmate. I appreciate that if that course had to be that indigenous sensitivity training, I appreciate that my uncle m- made that course happen whether my uncle like choose where it was i appreciate that it ended up in a facility i felt good to hear that he was still able to connect with people despite him being in uniform and them being in another uniform oh yeah another thing i think like in whatever timeline whatever chapter i keep talking about timelines yeah. uh whatever chapter uh i think one of the things i remarked on in passing i was like 
yeah, did you know, like, people also lost their status because they married outside of their culture? And you're like, well, what? And yeah. then these are the notes that I took down. So, General Enfranchisement Act in 1869 that was enacted under the Indian Act. Again, that was the General Enfranchisement Act from 1869 that was put under the Indian Act where my uncle's great-great-grandma, Mary Cardinal, lost status because she married a Métis man. Again, two things. Métis not being defined as status as an indigenous in its own right. But also, she lost her status. Which doesn't make any sense. Again, my uncle contributes that to the loss of culture that trickled down down the lines. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) When I had said that, I completely forgot. Because this, like, interview is over a year ago. But, like, wow, that's that's a clear... I said it kind of like, oh, there's probably examples of this that most people Mm -hmm. can relate to. I'm just saying it. No authority on it. It happened in my own family, apparently. Yeah, and, like, even the fact that the government... Like, not only your own people, but the fact that the government removed, Mm -hmm. like her status because of it, that's nonsense. Yeah. That's some nonsense. They had children together. If you were, if you're looking at, oh, like, blood, ancestry, genealogy. From both sides, they were indigenous. One was Métis and one was status. Yeah, the one's Métis, one's status. Okay, well, they have kids. They're still 75% indigenous people. Let's not do blood but, quantum. But I know, yeah, I, I, know, I see I know, what I'm you're sorry. saying. I see what you're saying. If they're judging through blood quantum, if you're, if that, you're make, judging that doesn't that make way, sense. It doesn't make any sense. No, no, no. And <laughs> so that was, it's just like insane. I'm like, oh, oh, shoot. So my great, 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 great grandma was status. And my great, 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 great. Grandfather was Métis, but being Métis wasn't seen as indigenous. I don't know. It's what it, 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 you, you spoke on it a bit earlier. Yeah. We talked a lot in our break because we were just so excited. Yeah, it was, it was just, it felt like nonsense that the fact that the government was putting their foot in the door. You kind of lamented to your own frustrations of yeah, like, like the jargon around even oh, you yeah, pursuing oh status. Because you say your cousin it has status. One my, yeah, one of my cousins is the same generations. Because if, if, apparently... If you're talking blood, timelines and blood quantum yeah, and everything, apparently, they're, they're the exact same as you. Yeah, exactly. And their same. status. And their status. And one of my cousins who's closer to me on this side of the country is the same generations out if we're talking blood quantum which apparently we are, we are. <laughs> because we have to it's because like we have to i tried to look it up online i tried to figure out how to do it unless i have someone guiding me there i get so confused like the government of canada website i have read six times at least like if, not even just going to talk about like the me trying to get my status card but just even to do my taxes I try to read the the website, and it's simple language. It's it's simple words, simple letters, but the way it's put together, it's like you're trying to talk to an alien. Of yes, ah yeah, human. I speak language too. Yes, of okay. I don't. It's not meant for comprehension. I have to read it six times to try to understand it, and then I click on the link to. Tr- okay, we're just dump the taxes idea going back into the concept of me trying to get my status card and understand more about my heritage your cousin had you said had lawyers and people that could understand the jargon yeah understand the jargon understand the website because 
We have family who works for the government, and we have family who are lawyers. And so they're able to work together to make it happen so that she was able to get you her by card. yourself. It's so convoluted. Yeah, and it's like I ask my family, it's like, hey, how can you made up can, rules, by the way? Yeah, um, it's it's all made up, all of it's nonsense. And it's just like I want to get my cart, I wanna be I wanna understand more of my heritage. Did Please. that deter you from understanding? Absolutely. You, I, I think like um, you spoken. I'm heated to right it. now. Oh my god. Because you, you okay? So when we talk about accessibility and, and um, options, it's not just about it's not just about what you can physically access. It's like the mental, the access. What? It, how to make something? How to make it? How, easily. how to make something at your level that you can understand, so you can just authentically identify yourself. If this is a country where all indigenous people have to have a card that represents who they are, otherwise not be seen or um, seen or, as real and existing, then make that make sense to the general populace. My dad could be status as well as like first being Métis, but mm -hmm. I can't be status because of the year I was born, another made up regulation. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And, and for you, I think you were saying you've lost a lot of your history to people either dying and it yeah. dying with them or people being adopted. Yeah, so it's just, it's even more complex. So, but it, what I'm trying to get at is you as wanting to reconnect to that part of your identity you're disheartened when yeah, you can't understand it, how to get there. It's so hard. And you told me that you don't want to reach out to the community unless you can prove it. Because there, yeah, are, there are a lot of people taking advantage. Yeah, and I don't want to take advantage. I just want to know my history. I want to know where I come from. My mother is adopted. My grandmother on my father's side is adopted. I'm not going to do a DNA test kit because that's open you, source information. Yeah, and yeah, I'm you, get, you went into it already. Yeah, yeah. anyway. But... I don't, just to try to do it without doing a DNA test or doing something like that and me trying to figure out how to try to contact someone and just make this process get started. I can't, like, it's simple language, but it's not made for comprehension for me to read and understand of like, okay, you think this, click here. You want to learn how to get help and maybe like, learn about your community or like try to apply for a status card or try to understand more about your heritage here are some resources and links it's more like okay here's one page with all the links go ham and then you click on one link that'll lead you to another page it's not with, accessible for it's like a spider web and i can't i i get stuck in it and i'm like well I don't even know where I am. How the heck did I end up here? And for audience members where you're, where you're like, well, why don't you just reach out to the community without having your status? Because Whether or not you know this, there are people, there's the term, pretendian, there are people who take advantage of scholarships, of opportunities, and take it from indigenous people claiming to be indigenous when they're found to be not, where it's false. And they make great successes off of it without even connecting to the culture they're falsifying sometimes. There are some people who honestly believe they were indigenous and then when they actually did the research it was unfounded. But I think the reason why Savvy's so on this is because of that disconnection. If, tell me if I'm speaking for you. Because of that disconnection, you want to take the care. To be like, here's my status card, I'm disconnected. Because what, what happens if you like do all that work, if you're able to get past the jargon and you do it and you uncover, oh, we're not actually indigenous, great. So then I'm going down a different path, right? 
But at yeah. least you didn't, you didn't unknowingly take advantage of a people. I yeah. I don't want to take That's advantage of out. somebody. I don't want to take advantage of a community. I want to know more about myself. I want to be able to learn and grow and understand. But you understand why you need the status card for other fellow, from people from that supposed community of yours. Yeah. Why they would want to see that and why you should have it. It's not to prove to the government I'm no, it's It's not to prove to anybody. It's, it's not even, myself. you don't even want it to like utilize and, and get like benefits. No, Which, I don't some, want that. I'm, like, I'm not status, so I don't know about the benefits thing, but there are a lot of, there's a consensus that people who are status get all these benefits. And I'm like, first of all, that's fucked up. That's a whole other topic, but <laughs> that we don't have time to get into. But I will say this. It's not benefits. It's giving back what is owed because of treaty and all these other things. Mm-hmm. But to the pretendians, they do take advantage yeah, of like, utilizing I'm, that. You don't want to do that. But you're not no. even. You don't want the card to even like. You weren't even thinking benefits. You're thinking I need the card before I can like reach out to the community. Yeah, it's like I need. Care. I need to have this dumb piece of paper to be able to say, "Hey, please let me learn." I'd like to learn. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to seem like a pretender. I genuinely want to know where I'm from. It's like you can't talk to anyone and no one will tell you why. And it's all people looking down at their feet and shuffling around and uncomfortable coughs and weird awkward silences and no one will explain anything to me. And it's like why? Why won't you tell me? I want to learn. And it's not only like my own family. I'm sure there's plenty of other families who are experiencing this. And you're talking about like these people pretending and coming in to scoop up and steal these opportunities from indigenous communities. I recently heard about this woman who completely did that. Her name was uh, Maria Louise Cruz, but she went by Sachin Littlefeather. She was not indigenous. Yeah. Is this the Times article or Um, podcast that came? Oh, no, uh, that could be a different. There's multiple. Yeah, I just I remember I, I remember hearing about it when, yeah. like, she had passed, and hearing that her sister said, "We're not indigenous at all." She made it all up. Yeah, so like, definitely don't want to be that. Yeah, but, uh, what I can I, yeah, offer I to you, and I don't know if this is the right way to go about it. Do you know the community, the name of the community, and whereabouts it's located? I I, I can't speak to it. All I know is that. I heard about this pretender, and that's all that I heard. Oh, no, I'm not talking about them. I'm oh, talking them? about your situation. Me? So, yeah, so I think, like, in the first... I don't know if oh. we cut it or not. Again, I'm losing track. Uh, yeah. But um, do you know the specific community that supposedly your family's indigenous identity comes from? So there is big... Like, as far as I know, we're supposed to be Chehalis, which is more south of the border, more Montana area. Okay. Um, closer, more south... But um, it goes, but we, the thing is, the majority of my family, like, we, a lot of, like, there's a cousin branch that lives in British Columbia, where all of, like, a lot of my family lives, but a lot of us also live out in Ontario. The majority of the family is in Ontario, because religion, let's make children. And over oh. <laughs> here, that wasn't such a big thing over here. Okay. But uh, we married, uh, there was there was marrying into um, First Nations communities and indigenous communities over here. Okay. So, okay. I have a question. Yeah. 
are there people alive in your immediate family that you feel comfortable talking to that can tell you like places like Shehelis is one, but like reservations or names of people? No. From your so there isn't right. Like so, there's there's a couple. So of people, even if but... you were to reach out to these communities and be like, can you go back in your records and search this person's name, and like what happened to them? There's no way of doing that. I wonder for your cousin who got their status, could they share with you their records? Possibly, but I don't even know my cousin. I don't even Again, know that like, cousin. Again, it's not a connection. Honestly, like, and I recommend this to anyone. I'm laughing because I just, like, flash back to the government site and, like, oh, they're... they're it's so hard. hard to read. It's not helpful. Um, what I recommend doing is as much as it might be difficult because you don't have a relationship with this person, Yeah. reach out, get their email, yeah, I really and be should. like, hey... I'm I'm this person from this person. I understand we don't have a relationship. I'm on my path of reconnecting. I understand you have your status. When I was looking into that, I was lost because I don't have names. I have places. I have generalizations from certain family who don't feel comfortable talking about it further. Yeah. And a lot of people have passed on who could talk about it. Could you give me your information? And use that if they say yes. Thank them and just be like, that's your sounding point. And if you can get a name, just like a single name, you can reach out to the indigenous community and they'll have their records. I'm assuming. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I've heard of like family members, but it's still gonna, it's gonna be a long process that I'll need to look into. But if you're, cousin, we shall see. I, I hope that I'm gonna be able to reach. Yeah, out and to, them. to anyone out, out there who is in the process of reconnecting. At whatever level, level you are. Like, I think I've used reconnecting to define myself, but I've always had an understanding of the area and the place for a lot of my family. For my biological mom's side, I've been told she's Métis too, but I, and I, I see the interrelations going back. Families marrying families that, like, again and again. So, ooh. Spicy. <laughs> spicy. Um, I don't know that too well, and uh, like I said, I've been like a bit of a divide from my own culture that I'm still rediscovering, but for other people at Sabi's level of reconnection, yeah. it's like... important to uh, not not get lost in your emotions. You're allowed to be angry and feel whatever you feel, but when you reach out to people, don't be afraid of it. I know confrontation is hard. I know reaching out to strangers is hard. Reach out with and just be honest to yourself and understand that it might lead you nowhere. But it's better than not having doing. Than not, than not even making the effort of learning. I think so. I'm tired. I'm tired too. My voice um, is going. I'm tired because it's late at night. I'm not tired like mentally or physically in no. that sense. It's just more like also, but yeah, you know what? I'm tired of this country and all it's ever done to people. Huh. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's time for all of us to take a deep breath again. Yeah, um, before that, yep. we forgot to do something very important. What's the very important? The theme of this episode, being bear. Oh, yes. It is the bear necessities, the simple bear necessities. The, um, <laughs> I don't know the words. We got the... Bare necessities, I really don't know the words. That's a song I wanted to, that was a joke I made when in our little break. I was like, yeah. my gosh, is it the bare necessities? I think it is. But also, these are the bare necessities to do equitable work in your police force, people. Yeah. Anyways. But 
Anywho, I would have joined you in that, but my voice has decided to like really kick out at the end here. Necessities, the simple bare necessities. We we something 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 some. Um, thank you for joining us. Yeah, this was good. I only got like one big question looming over my head. Okay, this is the final thought. What is it? Has your uncle made it to Nova Scotia? Find out next time. <laughs> Seems like we might have to be giving Uncle Don a call. Yeah. <laughs> you you call them and they're like, who are you? I, I need to know. I've been listening to your life story. I need time. to know, have, have you made it to Scotia yet? Please tell me. Oh my goodness. Tatamagoosh um, Churro Peggy's Cove. <laughs> Halifax. Um, we're ending. Well, this episode, this this chapter. Yeah, this chapter. chapter. <laughs> it's like a you book. heard me actively change. Yeah. So we in this, we just would like to thank Uncle Don for giving us his story, and also Uncle Joseph. You mean? No, no, oh, Uncle, oh my gosh! <laughs> sorry, Anthony. sorry, sorry. Go anyway, continue, continue, continue. I just want to say thank you to Uncle Don for giving us his story, and. Thank you to you, listener, for listening to us ramble on for so long as well. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day to learn and to experience our neurodivergent idiosyncrasies and silly little moments and wanting to learn about all of the things that Don has experienced in his life. We'd also like to thank uh, Calgary Arts Development and just supporting us for making this podcast become available and make it an actual thing that we're able to produce and put out into the world here and we're just wanting to say that we're grateful that we're here living life in tree seven territory mokinstis and that uh everything's going pretty good want to say please follow us on instagram uh with uh, uh tag downtime with deeds that's where we are. Just give it, give it a little, little searchy search, and you'll find us. You'll find the pictures we took of our spread and our creepy. And our, it's not, it's, it's our fun, our, our aesthetic, fun. yes, our, our vibes, yes, the vibes, the vibes are good. Anywho, uh, just wanted to say thank you and thank you, Deeds, for your time today. This was fun. Thank you. Right, everyone, let's take one big deep breath. Get your eight hugs in daily. Don't forget to drink some water, too. Take your vitamins. Uh, Have a snack. Eat actual food. Unclench your jaw. Unclench your butt. Relax them shoulders. And enjoy life. I think that's a good way to live. Yeah, just enjoy. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for your time. Bye, hon. Bye.